Yeah, go ahead. You, you, you need a minute? Welcome back to another episode of More Than The Title. I'm your host as usual, Jared Thomas, Chief Revenue Officer at Outside The Box Digital. And you know I got my brother, my brethren, your favorite CEO's favorite CEO, Chatty. Yo, I messed up. I, had it. I was smooth with it too. Damn it. You like 50%. You like 50% sometimes. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Like you know, it's all right though. Listen, <laughs> you mean well. You mean well. Yeah, I'm saying you already know the vibe, bro. It's good though, baby. Hey, man, you know, another day, another part, man. So, you know, I'm smiling, man, because um, I'm happy to be here, man. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to keep doing what we what we enjoy and we love to do. And uh, we're cultivating the culture, baby. That's it. Curators of the culture. And I can't believe it, y'all. It's episode 84, y'all. Crazy. Episode 84 of More Than the Title. So for those first-time listeners, man, yep. let's give y'all, let's just set the table, man. Yep. We're curators of the culture. Our, our job and our mission is to give the information back to the community, give the information back to people who want to succeed and do more with their lives. So we interview the best and brightest in, or entrepreneurs, celebrities, sales folks, you name them. We've had them on the show, share their experience, so you guys get some gems, and we all learn together, and we grow together, and we do this thing together, y'all, as a community, and that's what we're about, and it's going to be raw. That's what we do. For free. For free. Free 99. For free, but what ain't free is this. <laughs> you can also, right now, for first-time listeners, we would love if y'all go get up. We got hoodies. We got beanies coming on the way. We got motherfucking... Got on the yo, way. you know what I'm trying to say? We got hat. We're going to give you the five, four... <laughs> Three, two, one. You already That's know, y'all. Y'all cannot get a discount, but we love y'all. Yeah. <laughs> get, get, get your more than the title cup. If, if you love, if, if you ask nicely, we'll put your name on it. <laughs> put your name on it. Put your name on it. You know what I'm saying? But definitely, definitely shout out to y'all, man. Shout out to the listeners, the growers. Yeah. I mean, the, the listeners, the, the uh, subscribers, followers, yeah. everybody across every platform. We are over a million views across every platform. Right. And we couldn't have done it without y'all, man. So y'all, I can't tell y'all. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. We, 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 gotta, we gotta give the horn for that. Say, say come one on, more time. Come on, come on. We are a million <laughs> views across every platform. More than a title. And we just checked our global numbers, y'all. We actually in like the 2000s and global podcasts. Yeah, so great. come on, man. We 2000. Yeah. So what did Cass say? Man, you line them up. They can have better resources. They can have yeah. better production. They can have all that. Yeah. But you line us up. We're going to kick their ass every time here. More Listen, than the title. That's what we're doing. Want, you want to give more content. That's 2000 globally. Just in the United States alone, there's millions. I repeat, millions of podcasts. So we're ranked under 2000 globally, then that should tell you how many podcasts we're beating out in one, in one year of just really, you know, crazy to the metal, you know what I mean? But again, we can't do it without the people. We can't do it without the supporters. Everybody that goes on YouTube, our new um, IG fam, y'all been going, I'm gonna say it right now, IG has been going crazy since we've been going live on IG. Fact. Shout out to the IG team. <laughs> Fucking comments, the, the likes, the shares. Remember, guys, if you want to hear more and more than the title, please go to the YouTube, subscribe, comment. It helps us out. It helps us to promote it. It gives us better numbers, and then we can force YouTube to unlock other features for us, and then we could get more creative and, you know, keep bringing this um, thing of ours to you in the best form possible. 
That's it. That's what it's about, man. And quick house cleaning before we introduce this brother. We're going to also shout to a live podcast network, the first woman-owned, black-owned podcast network. We are part of more, you know, a live podcast, more than a title. So if you want more content like this, make sure you download the app, support your create your favorite creators. Shout out to Angel and the team. And shout out to Real Block Films, our executive producers. And with that said, y'all, y'all know what time it is. Let's start the show. Man, let's we gonna we gonna start it off right, man. This sure. brother right here is an author, a DEI provocateur, a global employer brand articulator. His journey as a black professional has been one of navigating the delicate balance between freedom and security. And his latest book, Plantation Theory, reflects that. As a DEI thought leader, he's committed to uplifting marginalized communities by providing understanding that he can lead to better questions that can help uh, dismantle systemic barriers. His highlight reel includes the best-selling author of Plantation Theory, The Black Professional Struggle Between Freedom and Security. He was named to the 2020 Comparable List of Inspiring Employer Brand Leaders, and he also launched a global employer's brand for Fortune 50 pharma and biotech companies, and also award-winning culture marketing and talent attraction strategies. Let's introduce our brother Mr. John Grant Jr., baby. Yeah. Hey, hey, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, he got the cup. He's red. That looked like a little Pinot Grease. Look like a little Pinot Grease. He's into some Modelo, you know what I'm saying? We're going to keep it funky. Oh, he's ready to part. He's ready to part. Mr. Grant, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me, brothers. It's Absolutely. a pleasure. Absolute Absolutely. pleasure. I love y'all movement, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Doing you know, yeah. we um we are taking bits and pieces from inspiring individuals like you, yourself, right? Mm -hmm. We are trying to incorporate that into what we do to help us grow and help us reach the audience. So we appreciate what you're doing, right? Because if it wasn't for people like yourself, right, the black leaders in the community doing what you're doing, then we really wouldn't have a platform to talk about anything. You know what I mean? Message. We appreciate Already. you. Because, yeah, that's, you know, that's what it's really about, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, I think y'all are doing something that we need way more of, right? <laughs> like we we have unfortunately fallen into the rabbit hole of gossip news and run tell that and the shock, you know, shock era and, and desensitizing media that doesn't advance or enhance us as a culture. So I appreciate and applaud what you're doing because it's absolutely necessary. Absolutely, brother. And, and 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 it's tough as hell, man, to get the message through when you're doing positive. So you, for people listening, you don't know how hard it is. We could do some clickbaity stuff. But you know what? You know what? I think that's the most fulfilling part of this show is introducing our audience to brothers like you, bro, that they didn't know necessarily like, oh, man, look like me that is doing X, Y, Z. This brother's working on Nike campaigns. This brother did the Super Bowl. This brother did this. We had two million in show with their bank accounts. There was a lot of zeros. I was like, damn. Yeah. I'm broke, baby, but it's motivating. You know what, though? You know what, though? Um, God damn, I was going to say some shit. He like, said, not this show, though. <laughs> <laughs> Two episodes from now, we'll come back to that. I'll show you. Next season, we're going to be lit. <laughs> Matching. Damn, I just forgot what the uh, fuck I was going to say. You said back. some shit that was perfect. I was going to chime in on what you just said. What you just said? I'm getting old. Damn. Damn! damn. <laughs> that doesn't usually happen. <laughs> hey, look, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna come back. It's gonna come back to me, though. It's, it's definitely gonna come back to me. But shit, bro, let, let's start it live, bro. Yeah, yeah. Because I definitely want to get into, you know, the need for more black content, more black curators to actually get the yeah. message out. What can we do to better and further the culture and community? Yeah. But let's start. Let's start with your upbringing, bro. Tell us a little bit about mm. your upbringing 
and you know how you kind of led into this this purposeful work for sure for sure i mean i i will uh high level it because a lot of it i discuss in depth in the book but i'll simply mm -hmm. say i lived in nine different states before college so mm -hmm. right so my parents divorced when i was five so uh dad up and comer in corporate so every time he got a promotion meant a new city mom single mom figuring it out moving to where the money is and uh, starting her own businesses recognized corporate wasn't for her and started her own venture in entrepreneurialism and raising me um, and so i got exposed to different pockets and regions of the country early on and as an only child i adapt so you know i i i move into a new uh, place i make new friends then move again. And so you have to constantly adapt and connect and understand how to cultivate relationships very quickly. Mm. Um, both parents, uh, HBCU alum, uh, come from a long line of educators on both sides. Funny enough, my grandmother on my mother's side, my grandmother on my father's side went to the same college uh, wow. back, back at Cheney University. Wow. Um, and so, uh, so interestingly enough, education was already in the DNA and in the code. And I'm just wanna, now before we go too far, I'm just gonna say how powerful that is because so many of our generation are first time generation that graduate college. So for you to have your grandparents show you that and have that already forced it into you know, your life down your mindset was dope. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was always a, a, um, uh, an energy of education is a game changer, right? It's a it's an unlock uh, to take you wherever you wanna go. So that was instilled early in the game for me. Oh, so re really quickly, I can't read yeah. it from here, but are, are those like um, fraternity paddles behind you? They are, are they are. Oh, okay. I see, All right. I, I yeah, see yeah. a writing on one of them. I'm like, okay, I'm trying yeah. to figure out where you're. Yeah, yeah okay. That's up to, to, to my ice cold brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha. Okay. Work right, oldest oh. and the coldest. And, oh. Uh, oh. and also my, bro my traveling brothers in the lodge and Mason, so. Oh, absolutely. No, Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So fraternal, fraternal sororities, all of that in the in yeah. the in the DNA as well on both sides. So yeah, man, my my upbringing is varied in that regard, man. But how I got into this work, um, uh, you know, I went to an HBCU for both undergrad and grad, and so mm -hmm. I was I had the opportunity to be in an environment where my excellence was expected, mm -hmm. but my failures didn't reflect on my entire race. Right. And, and I think that's important because a lot of us go to, you know, the, the batteries in our back, go to school, get a degree, get a good yeah. job, work, you know, 30 years, retire and die. But at the end of the day, if you're going into environments where not only do you have to focus on getting the education, but now you also have to worry about, am I safe? Do I do I do I have people around me? Do I have community? Do I feel like I can relax, breathe? All of those things. Do the teachers are the teachers invested in me? Yeah, at a relational level, and I didn't have to worry about those things, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. And so I took that that uh, foundation into my uh, into my work uh, my work uh, world. Uh, so I didn't really have uh, any questions on who I was. My identity was secured, right? Okay. Before and, before you go any further, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I get you a bell real quick because you're going to school. <laughs> with with you coming from. A well-educated family on both sides, your maternal side and your paternal side, you know, your mother and your father. Yeah. Did you feel pressure to go to school and say, I have to live up to a certain mark? Like, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of times that 
at us as children, we feel the pressure of the success because our parents are successful in a certain degree, right? Yeah. Because I'm thinking to myself as a kid in the environment that me and Jared grew up, like he said, you'd be lucky to graduate high school, let alone go to college for a regular degree. And you're like, yeah, I went to you know this school for, for my regular degree and then I went to grad school. You understand what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. Is that what is that what John himself? Is that what John wanted to do, or did you do that to kind of satisfy the mantra of, you know, my family's kind of did this. I at least want to get to a certain level to satisfy them. It's a tremendous question, bro. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I don't know that. Hmm, let me say this. I don't know that I felt pressure. I was given two options: either you go to school or you go to work, right? Yeah. Or you go to the military, whatever. So they weren't yeah. like this is the only way. But what I will say, and I think, uh, you know, for those of us that grow up with uh, our fathers in our lives as as men, right, and it's matriculating men, we want to replicate or or outdo what we see our fathers do. Absolutely. No shade to the mothers, but as men, that is our model, right, of what's possible. And so we either want to meet that or exceed it. And so for me, I saw what <clears throat> um, what success in corporate could provide. Sure, you know, and, and what and what amenities come with that and so forth. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I didn't, I, it wasn't that deep of a thought for me. It was like, well, all right, I'm not gonna go to the military. Um, you know, I'm I've already, I'm already working and I know this is only gonna get me so far. And then I only applied to one school and that was the alma mater of both my parents. Wow. So I was just like, this this has to work. <laughs> yeah, crazy. But yeah, so I didn't feel any pressure until well after. Yeah, you know. Hold on, hold on. Don't don't go past that real quick. Yeah, yeah. That's a hell of a, a like a focus point, a statement. He said, I, again, like urban city, we applying to every fucking school possible. Like as much, you know, because sometimes I think yeah. back in the day, colleges I, they charge the application fee. Uh -huh. well, I don't know if it changed, right? So back in the day, you know, as much money as you had, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to apply to as many as possible. You know, that's kind of the game, right? Apply to as many as possible and see who accepts you. You was like, fuck all that. I'm uh, going to go here and I'm going to apply here. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know what, though? What, what, what actually made me so confident to do that was right. I was exposed early to that college environment uh, because my father uh, made it a point to uh, take me to Lincoln University when I was 12 or 13 and we lived... Now, on the other side of the country, flew out there just to spend time in that environment and me seeing where he would hang out right. on the yard and just soaking up that experience. It's like, um, like what a different world does to people who've never been to an HBCU. Right. Although, but in this case, I'm on the campus, right? I'm seeing the, the, the energy and the way and us interacting and the women and all, the, right? all of these things and the brothers on the yard with their letters on and all that. That put the, it already planted the seed for me. So I knew at 12 or 13 that that was where I was going to go. Wow. So exposure is, is really the, the answer there. Shout out to Lincoln. I, I was supposed to go to Lincoln. I, yeah, funny ass story. I, 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 come on. What yeah, no, funny ass story. I lost my, I lost my girl to Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was fucking 18. She yeah. was going to Lincoln. I was in the streets. Couldn't change my thinking. <laughs> <laughs> she oh. went to Lincoln. I'm like, going to call me. <laughs> no call. Hold on, so 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 your girl went your girl went to Lincoln and and you just sitting in the house like damn damn damn. It was like that the first night. The second night I'm like this. 
<laughs> my third night, I'm like, she got the real skin. I had to keep it real. That was my baby, too. Baby, I want you back. Shout out to her now. We lit, baby. We lit now. I'm not even gonna ask what year that was. I really like that. It was a dangerous year. It was a dangerous year. But you know, you know, as you were saying that too, broski. Yeah, I was thinking, um, like you said, being that you were exposed to the university, right? Yeah, and you thought about the money that you could make in corporate. What kind of teachings did your parents give you about the corporate environment that kind of led you to this? I feel like there's a parallel there. That's a, so interestingly enough, I, I was never even thinking corporate when I was in school. So, mm. and here's where, where I went left. I, um, I went in as a computer science major because I was really into tech, had always been since I was a kid, just again, based on exposure. Um, but my first semester freshman year at Lincoln, it was mandatory. You had to take an African-American experience class. And in that moment, I got exposed to history that I had never encountered, right? Like mm. understanding that our contributions pre-transatlantic slave trade to every uh, every facet of education you can think of, um, mm. being worldwide travelers, uh, navigators, and all of that well before this accidental discovery of the Americas, right? Like these things like blew my mind and I'm a uh, I'm a, I have a, an affinity for history and all of those things. And so yeah. second semester, I changed my major immediately to African studies and then uh, minored in history. And that kept that trajectory all the way through. So corporate is not the trajectory for the major I just changed to, right? Well, you just, well, just told. Oh, black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black. We give him three seconds because of copyrights. <laughs> we can't do the copyrights. <laughs> That's real. That was me. That was yeah, me. I love that. Yeah, I love that. So, so my my trajectory was either I'm going to take that all the way through the PhD and then teach, or figure something out when that six month cliff hits on your uh, student loan payments, right? So, wow. So, well, wait, wait, wait. I, I just want to stop you right there. Like, listen uh, to what he's saying, bro. He's like, I got in college first semester, and already fuck, fuck. The four years, he's like, I'm gonna take this shit to PhD level. Like, like, bro, like that's crazy. That's the, that's the only outlet for that kind of degree. Right. That's, that. Research yeah. or teach. But so. you know what I'm just saying? That's like already you're showing a certain level of dedication mm. that 95% of college students, I don't give a fuck what school you go to, that's you're lucky right. to get out the four-year college in four years. You know what I'm saying? Method. The too many Omega parties and shit. You wake up next to the goat. <laughs> you know? oh, I, I did the five-year plan. I feel you. <laughs> right. right. So that's what I'm saying. For you to, again, four years is one thing. Then you can think about maybe going into your master's, but you already thinking, PhD, I'm going to teach this. You already, and this, and what year is this in college for you? Are you 21 or are you earlier than that? No, I went uh, 98. No, no, no. I'm saying, um, oh, oh, for you? are you 21 or 20? What, how old were you? At I this got point. school at 17. Right. See, that's what I'm saying. Because I was supposed to graduate high school at 17. So that would have put me in college at like 18, 19. So right, look right, at right. that. So look, look at look at how young you are and how focused you are already. Yeah, I, I've never looked at it in hindsight to your point. That's a blessing, John. Seriously, that, that's that's a blessing, bro. You're not wrong, bro. It's 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 unfathomable to think that somebody at 17, 18 right. years old can make a decision about the right. rest of their life and what they're going to do to, you know, not only survive, but make money and, and excel in right. 
And oh, by the way, they're, they're strapping you with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt before you even have a job. Like there's no other universe where that makes sense. You have no job. But I'm, I'm going to give you 100000 to pay back with no job? So, yeah, I mean, people are out here taking chances <laughs> for real. Me, that's one of the most talked about topics on this show. Me and Jared mm. spoke about that topic profusely. Mm. How kids go to go to college, one without any financial literacy, one without any type of credit literacy. And one of the first thing they do, the table where you sign up for your classes, the next table is the credit card table. You want this platinum Amex or this platinum B when you're broke and you're going to order pizzas with it. So not only are you coming out with student loan debt, you're coming out with credit card debt. Mm -hmm. And you never taught me how to manage my money. So we talk about that. But, but something we don't talk about, too, I just feel like as a black community, as a culture, we just run back to school. So I, a lot of times I hear like a lot of my homegirls, it'd be like, I just got out of a relationship. I just did this. Show. I'm going to go to school to do all this. I'm going to be an RN. Like, yeah, you're 38. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shit like that. Some, it'd be like that, bro. I'm just, we don't talk about but, that. But, but you know why, though? And But th there's an answer for that. It's yeah. changing now. But remember, right? Take take out this new generation of where the internet is really making millionaires, right? I mean, talking yeah, yeah, generational yeah. wealth. Mm -hmm. Remember, most middle to upper wage jobs, not considering construction, not considering construction, require a degree to, to even walk in the door. Not to even say you know what the fuck you're doing, but you want to be an associate? You need at least this, you know, this. You want to be a, a you know, um... A director, you need at least a math. So that's why people went to school because they it was the only in. That's so yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, the history behind that also is that yeah. those requirements were put in place to keep blacks out. There you go. Mm. There you so go. It's, not it's not suggesting that this degree makes you more qualified. Right. It's just it, it enables us to screen you out easier. Yep. Right? Yep. And now they've moved college degree. It used to be high school diploma, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was college degree where we started getting those post 1956, right? Integration yeah. and, and uh, you know, uh, Brown versus Board uh, legislation. And then we got <laughs> diplomas. And then we started getting college degrees because they desegregated colleges too. Yeah. And then they raised it up to MBAs. And that's what you're seeing now is like, you know, I don't know that an MBA makes me more qualified if I have equivalent years of experience doing the work. And we talked about that. On the job training, apprenticeships, mm -hmm. I feel like are, are way better than school educated people. I'm on the job learning it real time. I know mm -hmm. how you do it in real time. You're coming from school learning the theory of it, book wise. Mm -hmm. Then you get to the job and you know what they say? Forget everything you learned in school. That shit is bullshit. Let me teach you how we do it in the real training. world. Yeah, Absolutely. that's that's the ages old W.E.B. versus Booker T. argument. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, having a tangible, uh, you know, working knowledge and skill or trade versus the theoretical book smart that gets you into different uh, organizations and audiences. And it really comes down to which one is going to make you more uh, uh, appealing or what's going to make you safer in certain uh, certain environments, right? right. Which wh what's going to determine your proximity to whiteness is really the question we're talking about. Message. Oh, you know, I, oh, you know, I like that one. Yeah. You know? I had to hit it with the Michael Myers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like that one right there. One Look, thing I can say that, that I'm extremely grateful for, yeah. and, and I mean this, I'm extremely grateful for this. The world has now recognized that although a degree is important, 
the name on your degree is not so prevalent anymore. See, mm. as long as you have the degree, you're good. So now, guess what? All these fucking Ivy League colleges, all these private institutions charging $70,000 a fucking semester, all this crazy shit. You don't need that no more. Only The only requirement is a degree. Good, I could go to a community college or a state university, $6,000 tuition. Every six months, I can pay that with a part-time job. I can get the degree, get to work. So guess what? If I do take out, what what did I just say? Always. And that was a clip too. That boy was potting. <laughs> <laughs> so it only matters that you have the degree. So guess what? Now at six thousand dollars a year, or even twelve thousand a year, I can pay that off by the time I come out of college. If I am in debt, it's so minimal that I can pay that off within the first year or two of working. Right. Well, are, you, are you saying that the name of the university doesn't matter no more? You still nope. don't think that the employers are not looking at a, a Duke, a Stanford, a Winsconsin over let me, a Lehman? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. You know. You know what helped change a lot of that? COVID. Because guess what? All those people with all those degrees still wasn't going to fucking work. Now what you're going to do? <laughs> now what you're going to do? I'm just telling you. No, no. But I think because of COVID, job, the job market decreased, bro. That it, oh, so You know how many people are losing jobs in tech alone? Listen, the, the, the tech uh, industry has been doing this. Yeah. Anyway. Always. Let's let's not let's not play that game. Tech industry always does this. Silicon Valley always fucking ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. Yeah. But what I'm saying is. COVID made a lot of people realize that the work ethic is more important, one, than actually physically being there, right? Because a lot of people were working remote, getting more work done from home than they was in the office. Two, companies were realizing all their overhead that they're spending for a lot of these things they can scale back on because people were doing the work remotely and now they're saving money. So if they're saying, if I can save you this money, I don't need this, I don't need that. It was a medium ground reach. I'm telling you, there was a big vacuum for a very long time of people that didn't want to work. You know why? Because they was on unemployment. They was getting that extra stipend. You're making like 11, 1200 a week. Some people was never making that shit at work in a month. So if you giving me this shit for a week, for a year, two straight, that's why, motherfucker, that's why I was 1942 everywhere. No, There was a lot of Don Julito out there. There was a lot of crab legs. There was a lot of crab legs. There was a lot of all of that. He was living. But I also want to elaborate on that. I just want to put it out there. I don't want yeah. a black person right now that's listening to this that yeah. went to Lehman College for whatever trade or whatever degree they went to. And that same person, a white person that went to, you know, Stanford, it, I don't think you have the level. It's not level. I, I for me personally, I still don't think it's going to be level. And we could get into deep into this conversation, but I don't think that's going to be the case. And that's why we need to have these conversations. I'm just saying, just, just real quick, I'm just going to say yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I got accepted when I, when I graduated um, with my associates in business. I got accepted into Zicklin School of Business, which is Baruch College. Zicklin School of Business, one of the number one fucking yeah, business absolutely. schools in the United States, period. It's a fucking CUNY. And I'm going to leave it at that. It's a CUNY. Sure. It's a CUNY. And it's one of the number one business recognized schools in the whole United States. And it's a fucking CUNY. That's an antidote. That's not the, that's not, that's the exception, just, not the, you know no, what I'm saying? No, no, but I'm, I'm just telling you, like, state universities have programs that are recognized across the board, bro. I'm just telling you, like. No, you're right. Yeah, you know what you know what the Ivy League shit is. Uh, you know what it is, and we gonna get off this after that. But the Ivy League shit is not more of the name on the education. It's who the fuck you meet in college. 
It's your roommate. It's the fraternity because those are the next senators, the next politicians. That's what you're paying for. It's the relationship of, the, of your fucking roommate that you're meeting in college. That's the next Mark Zuckerberg and MIT. And that's what you're really paying for. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Like, uh, shout out to the person who didn't get the Zuckerberg as a roommate. That paid off. <laughs> 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 had, you, had you in the dorm looking like this. <laughs> 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 like, that's all I'm saying. But you know, I, I'm just I'm looking at it from an economic standpoint. Just hear me out, man. We are we are trying to, as a culture, raise our medium income rate so that we can get out of poverty across the board, right? Because mm -hmm. systemic poverty has now been integrated as a mindset, not not money value. It's a mindset because people think they're broke and they think that there's no way out. They act broke and they do broke shit. You understand what I'm saying? So. When, when you start making it accessible to people, right? Because people thought they couldn't go to college. Why? Because it was too fucking expensive and, and they're not going to accept me. And that, that, that. once you lower that bar and people see that as feasible, now more people, like he said, is going to get the education. Now that I got the qualifications, you can't close the door on me no more. Now we get to open up the job market and flood the job market because we're qualified. You can't tell us we're not qualified anymore. Right. Let me just add to your wisdom because yeah. you're both right, right? Yeah. 2020 did see a, a, a leveling of the playing field because you took out everything, right? Like it's yeah. world reset to zero. We got to figure out how to survive now. Yeah. Supposedly, whatever your feelings are on that whole situation. <laughs> but but the 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 reality is that the power did uh, shift to the uh, to the to the worker, right? To, to the employee uh, employee. Employee. One right because business is now at the mercy of the of the worker, right? If you can't come in, then your business is gonna uh, is gonna fall apart. We saw that in hospitality. We saw that in retail. We saw that in the restaurant industry. I think New York was like 50, 60 percent of of restaurant business that would never return. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so so now the power balance is shifted. Well, three years later, four years actually coming up in March. Yeah. They've tried to switch that shit back. Like they're like, no, 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 that was cute, but we signed a 20-year lease on this multi-billion-dollar uh, building downtown that nobody's in. We need y'all back in the office. Oh, and by the way, um, yeah, we know that there's uh, uh, you know more jobs than people to work them, but I still want uh, the cream of the crop from all those Ivy Leagues uh, only. I'm not looking at anybody else. So like the prestige of the Ivy League is like that of Gucci or LVMH, right? It's like, it's not necessarily a better product per se. There's a brand prestige that's attached to being there that does open doors. The brand and name recognition uh, gets you into situations that you otherwise wouldn't. And to Dale, to your point, the network that you're walking into, whether you're fraternal or your right. family's got money, right. the fact that these institutions are telling you, we don't make employees, we make business builders. Right. Mm. Like if you go in with that mindset, like you're not here to get a job, you're here to go create them. Message. Whole different ethos, man. And, and we don't necessarily understand the relationship between the power dominant culture and ethos. Like we can see it, but we don't know it because we didn't grow up around it. Like even the language is different. Right. Yeah. I had a, a sister who's a black, who's a psychologist. Uh, tell me one day that we only know about as black uh, black Americans, we don't only know about 80% of the English language. Like there's a 20% reserve for the power dominant. And if you don't speak it, if you don't know, you didn't grow up around it, or nobody puts you up on game, you they'll see you coming a mile away. And the way that we give that up is we're so direct, transparent, and forthright. And they're sitting there like, oh, 
<laughs> and then we hear things like, ooh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Keisha does great work, but she's a little rough around the edges, right? She needs a little, little uh, uh, executive presence coaching or she needs some polish. Yeah. And those are the code language for she doesn't speak the language of power because power doesn't say what they mean. They imply what they mean. And you, as the listener, need to figure that out. Message. It's a whole world out there, bro. And we're not even getting that shit in education at school. <laughs> no, no, we third period, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it just got real. <laughs> this glass of wine. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, that was deep. That was deep. Yeah. Hey, look, it's it's something that I have consistent conversations on um or, or around with black professionals. And I, I coach a lot of black professionals who are trying to climb the ladder. And my my whole approach to coaching black professionals is first and foremost, let me understand. Why do you want to climb the ladder? More importantly, do you know what's behind the doors you're knocking on? And are you prepared to do what's required to get in there? And then once you get in, that was real. That was real. Look, look, and once you get in there, do you know what it takes to maintain that status? And are you going to be okay with who you become? And then we have a conversation, and it usually falls into like one of three categories as to why somebody wants to rise to executive or C suite. And it usually falls into like an ego bucket, uh, obviously a resource and financial perspective. They want more money. But then the third one is like uh, validation or void filler, right? Mm-hmm. So they think that once I get this title, then they'll respect me. Or once I get this title, I'll show them that I was capable and all these things, right? And so you're chasing that validation, but these companies are never going to give you that, right? Then ne- that like we're we're still trying to heal from thirty plus generations of traumatic experience in relationship to an abusive work environment. You know what I'm saying? From like yeah. 1600s forward, 1400s. Honestly, if we're being honest about history, so um, so we still have some very deep seated healing work to do with our relationship to work. Let alone chasing this idea of I've got to hit CEO and be top 40 by 40 and all this other stuff that's like that's somebody else's measure of success that doesn't necessarily align to your reality but i I gotta ask you a question being that you coach professionals to climb up that ladder why why haven't you specifically haven't tried to climb the ladder what what has turned you off about corporate oh oh let me let me let me let me back up i don't coach them to climb up the ladder i coach them to question the ladder (laughs) Next time Jared asks some crazy shit like that, just be like, What's wrong with this guy? Am I getting me or what? That was that was real. What are you talking about? No, no, of course not. Of course not. It's all love. No, no, no. It's real talk. Look, the title of my book is Plantation Theory. Mm. Black professional struggle between freedom and security. The point of that is that we are still trying to, we want to exert some level of autonomy and freedom and capability, but within a plantation construct. So my question is, no matter how high you rise on the plantation, aren't you still on a plantation? Mm. Message. So, okay. Okay. You went to field. You went from field all the way to the the big house. Okay. You went from customer service to the C-suite. Right. You you went through middle management. You became an overseer to drive the work and the labor. Yeah. And, and, and hit the metrics and using Gantt charts, which is also a measure of plantation productivity. 
by the way. And, and then all of a sudden they deemed you viable for bigger leadership. So, so what you don't know is that all the way up through those ranks, they've been evaluating whether you could tow the company line, keep the secrets, uh, make inhumane decisions without flinching because it's for the benefit of the bottom line. And so, my fault. I've never seen that thumbs up. That was yeah, the fucking no, stream. Y'all saw you going crazy. Yeah, and stream you on an Apple whenever yeah, you want. Yeah. Time and stuff like that, you can do like different little joints now. Yeah, that's another one. I think it's like this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that celebration and all that. Yeah, sure. you you're going app- off, bro. You you going <laughs> off right now? Like you going off right now? I'm like, God damn, the program, the algorithm, yeah, dude, yeah. No, no. I'm in the matrix, bro. <laughs> you know. Yeah. God damn, man. Like, mm. let's mm-hmm. start. Let's start. Let me just start with this, right? Mm-hmm. I can understand any person, any person, man. Women doesn't matter. Just wanting to make a suitable life for themselves and possibly their family. Let me just start there, right? I don't know any person that would say, let me put my boots on or let me put my shoes on every day and go out there and be productive. A productive person in society and support my family. Yep. Now, within the construct of the system that we are clearly raised in, we are clearly educated in, we our religion is based into it. Most people find it very difficult to even understand that there is something outside the construct, like the matrix, because it's it's the matrix is the perfect example. You're bred into it. You're raised into it. You're educated into it. All your friends are in it. If you become so immersed in it that you don't even dream of a possibility of there being something outside. Mm-hmm. How, do you, that's how, that's how do you. That's it. That's it. That's it. The question I asked, that's, that's so dope. I'm never going to get tired of that. <laughs> the question that I asked to explain exactly what you said is how do you explain water to a fish? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right? Uh, they're, 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 there's no such concept because they've yeah. always been in it, right? They, and the answer to that question is they need to hit dry land for contrast. Otherwise, they won't have a perspective on what water is. Right, right. right. For those who I say, you know, struggling between freedom and security, the challenge is most of us weren't taught to be entrepreneurs. We didn't have entrepreneurs in our vicinity to even see what the model was. And then everything that's coming at us tells us we need to go to work to get money, to have a lifestyle, to, to all these things, to survive. Not even survive. Survival isn't even like marketed it's it's thrival it's it's exceeding out right it, it's exceeding the yeah. limits of 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 survival so so that's the programming that's instilled from the time you can even cognitively understand so until somebody gets dry land uh gets that dry land contrast to see what's possible and we're thanks to brothers like y'all and other uh outlets and sources they're seeing what's possible now here's the hard part once you've seen what's possible, now you still have to fight your own internal programming because you're afraid to lose the security of what you know. And freedom, if we're being honest, is scary as fuck. Yeah. Because most of us weren't taught how to be free. How do you and most of us don't know what it would take. Well, I shouldn't say most of us aren't willing to give up the comfort of security. Here it is. That's, that's, that's it key. right there. I need a bell. I need the bell. I need the bell for that. Well, yeah, I need the bell for that. Yeah. All right, John. I want to say fourth period. We talking freedom, y'all. Let's talk freedom. Let's talk freedom. Because me and Jared talk about this all the time, right? Yeah. We talk about this all the time. It is so important to get the fuck away from your environment. 
and experience. I'm not even talking like international travel. I'm talking just get the fuck off the block. Mm. Go see how somebody else lives across town. Go see how, how somebody else lives downtown, how they walk, how they talk. It is so important for you to experience culture outside of your bubble mm -hmm. so that you can truly understand that there is a possibility of something different. Yeah. What, did Mike, what did Mike say last week, bro? I mean, or the two weeks ago, personal development and proximity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That that's the key, man. Just yeah. says, no, being self-aware and being yeah. able to put in the work in to develop yourself, up-level your skills, understand yeah. where you're in to really market your skill set to make a lifestyle for yourself that you don't have to depend on the system or the mm. construct of the system. And then you go what? And then proximity, like you said, we have people in our neighborhoods that we don't even know do it. But the thing is, yeah. like, like for instance, for me, I'm a business owner in my neighborhood. We don't do anything that celebrates the black business owner in my neighborhood. How would I know? But what business owners do I do see? I see the, the, the Chinese restaurant. I see the liquor store. I see this. We're the black ownership, right? But I'm sitting here in my building and we have a six-figure business and nobody knows. That's right. That's so right. the proximity, who else has that? Who Ooh. else is in 4D or whatever? You know what I'm saying? In the building that has that. How do we pool our resources? We do not do shit like that. Yeah. I have the answer for that. What's up, brother? Please. I haven't solved it, but I have the answer as to why. And it's actually not even my answer. Uh, Y'all are familiar with Dr. Claude Anderson, I'll assume? No, I, I'm not. How he he, yeah. So uh, just search his, uh, uh, can I say, Breakfast Club interview. Okay. From okay. 2019. It's probably one of the best Breakfast Club interviews ever done. I'm going to check that out. So Dr. Claude Anderson has about five books, one of them called uh, Black Labor, White Wealth, another one called Powernomics, another one called... Um, uh, 101 facts you didn't know about black history, like dirty little secrets, more dirty little secrets, like they're phenomenal books. Mm -hmm. And uh, Powernomics, he, he sets forth a, um, a five point plan for black self-sufficiency, mm -hmm. right? And so at the, and, uh, just to high level it, it's uh, at the foundation is community, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's having a turf to call your own, build, build on, and then uh, families, family units collaborate to then uh, essentially build up the community, right? Yeah. Uh, and then second level is you take that community effort and you develop vertically integrated businesses to provide for the needs of that community. Uh, <clears throat> then you take the, the, the profits or the proceeds from those vertically integrated businesses and you purchase political representation to represent the ideals, values, and legislative desires of your community. Then you take uh, that legislation and, and, and in conjunction with that, you have your own media outlet so you can control the pop, uh, propaganda narratives, worldviews, beliefs, ideals of your community and disseminate those to the world. <laughs> and then lastly, you have your education. Uh, you own and control your own education so you can indoctrinate the youth of your community in your values, beliefs, ideals and worldviews and so forth. But here's the catch. Wait, John, John. Crazy, man. That's a clip. I don't give a fuck. I'll just say it. That feels very familiar, like a culture that I already know that exists right now. <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. that, that, that sounds like a culture that we all know exists oh, right yeah. now. That does what? exactly what you are talking about to a fucking T. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Not not only do you know those, we can all right. we can all name several of those right. things that right. exist, right? Right. But we also participated and and lived by that at a certain point in time, right? Mm. But here's the kicker, and 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 Jerry, you were talking about like why do why don't we celebrate the black business owner? Well, 
I've committed a lot of time and, and research and study of this very thing. What I believe to be the biggest challenge keeping Black community from being competitive is the fact that we don't trust each other. Mm. That's the number one thing, because without that, you're not going to transact. You're not going to you're not going to believe you're not going to support. You're, you're going to look side. Right. None of that. And so if you don't trust each other, not only will you not transact, you also won't come together and form strong family units. Mm. We know right now between black men and black women, there's a massive disconnect. There's a war going on outside. No one is safe. <laughs> <laughs> So my work right now is trying to figure out not how do we get more economic funding and resources and knowledge of financial literacy and so forth in the black community, because without that foundation of community, nothing else goes. Mm. And, and that's why we that's what we've seen. So here's the cold part. Right. 1964 civil rights movement and working up to that point, we were trying to get access, access uh, to patronize, to go to the school, to, to be integrated in. Yeah. Um, towards the end of Martin's life, and what most believe got him killed was he was pushing for economic inclusion, right? And yep. redistribution mm -hmm. of wealth. Well, here's the funny part about that. He was pushing for that at the end because he because we already had community solved. Right. So you add the economic side to that, right? Now now we're competitive. Method. So what did the government do for the cost of zero dollars? They said, okay, cool. We'll allow you to come into our neighborhoods, live, come to our schools, go to school, get educated, come to our businesses, patronize and pay at zero dollar cost. But they also knew that doing that would decimate the communal principle because that which you're denied most becomes the object of your desire. I, mm. We had desired most access to white lifestyle. Mm. And they gave it to us like that, to the benefit of a tax base for them, uh, corporate <laughs> corporate profitability. Every metric went through the roof because we were now, as the number one consumers, able to access it. So once we got rid of the communal foundation and went for the economics. <laughs> that shit. Shit. Fucking That's infuriated. <laughs> and the women's too. And the way motherfuckers get successful and run outside. Oh, yeah, now I need one of these. Oh, that's a doctor Umar conversation. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but it falls in line exactly into what you said. If we think about the Emmett Till stories and we think about all the other stories of how black individuals used to get killed for even speaking to a white woman, let alone looking at a white woman, let alone complimenting a white woman. Like you said, inclusion, right? The thing that you wanted the most. Now you think that that's the high level of success. I'm successful. I'm in a suit. I'm in the corporate. I'm a C-suite. Now let me go get one of these. Validation. One of these. The way you said One of these. You know, John, I'm going to tell you something, man. I enjoy... I enjoy having these conversations so much because I'm a connoisseur of knowledge, brother. I think I think education by far saved my fucking life, bro. Mm. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm not even like, I'm not even playing around with you, bro. Like I think education saved my life, and you know, experiencing the things that me and Jared have, have grown up in urban youth, and you know, I'm pretty sure other urban people because the story is the same, man. It doesn't, you know, a hood is a hood, right? Poverty is poverty. And and you grow up doing the same type of things, just you speak a little different, you dress a little different, but it's all the same bullshit, right? Yeah. That's what we're missing because 
like you said, the media outlets, the news, the newspapers, the, the, the television shows, guess what they keep feeding us? The negativity. Look, look at y'all, look at y'all knuckleheads. Y'all keep robbing each other. Y'all keep stealing from each other. Y'all keep doing this. You know what that is? It's subliminal programming saying that y'all not worth shit. Y'all not worth doing anything good for us to show you that there's anything better, but that's bullshit. Like Jared said, Jared's in, 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 in the building and he got a six figure business, but you're not putting that on your fucking uh, podcast or your or your broadcast or your your radio show. You're not putting the other guy in the other building. You're you're you're, you're, you're hiding it from us. You see what I'm saying? Because once you know that we understand the narrative, oh shit, this is possible. Guess what? We're gonna run for the fence. Mm -hmm. But we just we just not we still just gravitate to the bullshit though. Unfortunately, yeah. we just do, bro. That's why, like, like, come on, son. Like something like our page versus a shade room. We rather gossip and talk about the bullshit versus yeah. actually what's going on. This is why we pride our platform on not being clickbait, right? Yeah. And we know how difficult that is, right? It's bullshit, right? We'll go mm -hmm. through it'll be the stupidest shit ever. And we'll we'll talk about whatever, whatever. We'll have some gem here. We've have so we have two thousand clips, bro. Two thousand clips worth of he's he's easy. I'll get ten likes, eleven yeah. likes, twelve yeah. likes. Maybe 40 if we lucky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Other than that, it's just like, you know what I'm saying? We're not gonna, even though it'll aspire, people will even the positive shit, they'll champion it in the dark. And that's what I've realized. That's an interesting conversation, bro, because um I just I was just talking to one of my partners uh earlier this uh this weekend, actually, and we were talking about how uh you know the 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 saying that the the revolution won't will, won't be televised, right? Yeah. Gil Sky Herring, Lincoln University alum, by the way. Um, he, shout out to Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. You got Jill. You got Jill too. Oh, my girl too. <laughs> <laughs> but but the revolution won't be televised, right? And we can get behind that concept. But the reality is, we are <laughs> we have media entities that are purely based on con uh, on um, on gossip, right? Yeah. And this notion of not being able to keep a secret. Mm. They've monetized that for us, and now, we, right? So the best kept knowledge won't be televised. So don't, I, I would say, don't be discouraged by the fact you're not getting millions of views. Because again, we also need to withhold some information because it's critical that those that know and should know do know, and they will. Mm. But not all information isn't for all people at all times. Mm. Yeah, that's real too. Don't right. make, but, but ladies and gentlemen, don't don't make no mistake. We're not saying that we actually getting the millions of views. What <laughs> no, up the views on here? We actually do. And you know what would really enhance the podcast if you guys would scan this code right now <laughs> and make sure you sit. Oh, get you one of these cups. Hey, hey, there goes. You can see the cup. Wow, you can see the cup. It got my name on and all. I spelled correctly and all that. Boom. We're gonna give y'all ten seconds on that real quick while we all get a sip. And we at seven, six, five, four. Three, Urgency. two, Urgency. one. Oh man, we back. Let's start the show. Back to the show, y'all. My bad. <laughs> you know, um, when I learned when I initially learned about um the Black Wall Streets and yeah, the yeah. organizations that had those in, in a couple of different states, right? Yeah. I was amazed, right? Like, holy shit, we did it. And then I found out when you read about it, how you know they came in and pretty much burned the whole fucking town down and absolutely not only burned the town down, but killed dozens of people and, and absolutely nothing was fucking done about it. Like how the fuck do you come down and burn down a, a whole entire fucking community, right? A fucking community of people paying taxes and everything and all this and absolutely nothing was done about it. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And then I sit back and I go, well, technically, why didn't we try it again? Right? Was that event so impactful to the to the psyche of us that it destroyed the idea of trying to do it again, trying to duplicate it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. It's yeah, it's something that I, I often think about. You know, oh, yeah. they, they rebuilt. They rebuilt Tulsa, uh, Greenwood. Uh, yeah. after, right. Yeah. You don't hear much about that because <laughs> obviously it was very different. Right. But, um, we had hundreds of Tulsa's of green of Greenwoods around the country that met the same end for the most part or post integration sort of just fell fell in on themselves because we left. Right. Um, there was a <clears throat> there's there's something to be said, and this is one of those uncomfortable ass conversations about. Do we, the next logical step in this conversation is, okay, if we did it before, why are, why haven't we done it since, right? Have, why post-integration haven't we seen a thriving Greenwood or Rosewood or Winston-Salem, right? Like, why not? And then the question becomes, well, the constraint that that was existing in that period of time that doesn't exist now is we were, we were by law segregated, right? We were constrained by legal limits of what we could do. And so then you have to ask yourself the most uncomfortable question ever is, will it take for us to be subjugated again, legislatively, for us to pull together and do it? Because hmm. without that external pressure or force, what's what's moving us towards it? And, and, and it's and it's an ugly it's an ugly conversation only in that human psychology and human nature defaults to comfort, right? We're always going to look for the ease where it's available. And those with a power, privilege, or status uh, don't give that up willingly. Like it's literally never happened in human history. There's been no civilization where somebody was like, you know what? I got enough power. I'm good. Y'all have some. Like it just doesn't happen. Right. And so when you, when you, when you recognize that and you understand that human nature defaults to comfort, well, then we need as human beings, some level of consequence mechanism or reward mechanism to change behavior. Mm -hmm. And that, that just is. So, so a carrot a stick is real as shit. So now you're like, okay, how are we going to impose consequences within the group to say, you know what, that type of music and the messaging and the imagery that's being pumped out, we're not for that because we see what it does to the 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 youngest of us, our 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 youth, uh, and then we we make a concerted effort not to not to buy, not to sell, not to stream. And oh, by the way, those that do that, y'all aren't us. You, you know, you still, you still, you still black, cool, but you ain't us, and and we're not, we're not accepting you in the in group. So we have to have some conversations around what are we willing to do to to remove the comfort for the fuck shit. I, I agree with you, but isn't hmm. I, I I'm with you to that because like I, I've seen I, I know you saw the viral post with the with the little six year old kids I think it was a bunch of young girls singing a sexy red shit right I think it went viral right it, it it irritated the fuck out of me and I'm like oh man our people like why is this even acceptable I could never have my daughter I could never have my child my child is five writing scripts bro like we not we not on that time you know what I'm trying to say so really? I still we really? still have to save them <laughs> so there has to be a common ground where we don't kick them the fuck out. But there also has to be a consequence, like you said. What that balance is, I have no clue, bro. But we gotta be, we gotta be together if we want to take over and really do what we need to do for the community. 
it, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's a deeper conversation, man. And I've really had to wrestle with it um, because when you are very, when you're well, when you're well versed in, in our history, um, you also examine the Harriets, right? The Harriet Tubmans and the, mm-hmm. and the Fredericks and, and, and those who understood that you ain't going to save everybody. And not everybody was ready to be free. Shit, mm. Matrix again. Not everybody's ready to be unplugged. <laughs> you know I say that shit all the time, John. I tell Jared that. Jared Hart, Jared Hart bigger than mine. I'm not going to hold you. I, I know that shit. I tell people that all the time. Like, I'm not trying to save everybody because everybody's not ready to be saved. I'm only trying to save the, the one, two, or three handful of people that I can fucking save because to change the masses, you got to change a couple people at a time, and eventually it grows, and eventually the snowball grows, and then you change the community. We're not going to – it's too many years of programming to break it in one cycle. And we don't have the mechanisms to right. force mass change yeah. the way it was done for us. Yeah. So, so to that point um, – no, it, it really comes down to it. And, and I was I was workshopping this on like Clubhouse back in 2020 before I yeah. went to the streets. Uh, yeah. uh, the the question is, what does the new black community, the Greenwood, the, the, the whatever, the Rosewood, what is the um, the homeowners association guidelines look like for that community and who's allowed entry and who's not? What are the requirements mm-hmm. to gain access to the new black community of the future? And how do you maintain status or standing? And then we start to have conversations. We're like, all right. uh, I think it got to start with self-governing. I'm going to be honest with you, John. I think it has to start with self-governing. We as a people have to govern ourselves more. And let me give you a perfect example. When I was younger and I was growing up in the 80s, you understand what I'm saying? If I did something wrong, one of my mother's friends would fucking smack the shit out me, grab me by my ear, carry me upstairs. And tell my mother I smacked his ass because I seen him doing something wrong. You know what my mother gonna do? She's gonna smack me too and be like, this is good for your stupid ass for doing some dumb shit. See, we don't have that community-based um building anymore. You understand what I'm saying? Nowadays, you have somebody kids and they come out with that with the hammer. You you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it's different. Like, and, and I'm not I'm not only talking about like physical, I'm just talking about just the community looking out for a child in general, all right. Where the community yeah. looking out for all children as if it was their child. That's what I'm talking about. Community-based. Uh, yeah. You're spot on. You're spot on. Yeah. And, and yeah. What, what what that's called is communal obligation, right? Yeah. So okay. There's yeah. obligation yeah. to to your child, to my yeah. child, to everybody in this community that yeah. we are obligated to each other first. Yeah. Yeah. We again, we see examples in other communities to this day. Well, here's the difference between theirs and ours. Yeah. Their their culture has never been interrupted. Mm. Right. Ours has multiple times. Massively. Right, right, right. So so now we have to come back to the, con- to, and I love self-governance as a starting platform. We have yeah. to first figure out what are our communal values. Yeah. And those don't even align across the intra-group, right? Like some of us will be like, yeah, I'm not with it. Or yeah, do what you want, but I'm going to go do me over here, right? Like, so we can't even get on the same page there. But if we had that communal obligation, then um, then so much is possible. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, if we think about it and actually in in some deeper study, uh, I was trying to figure out where this disconnect between black men and women originated. Right. Mm. Uh, Mm. Shouts out to the to the Kevin Samuels movement. (laughs) The pod pod father. And it's a whole nother conversation. But me and my wife, after, you know, going down that rabbit hole, actually have a better marriage. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> okay. 
Fire. But when I was doing the research to understand where that disconnect came and, and, and even your example today where you're talking about somebody in the neighborhood could snatch you up when they caught you doing wrong in the neighborhood and it was not a thing, it was actually welcomed. Yeah. There was a period of time in the late 50s to early 60s with the um, with the uh, uprising of the modern feminist movement, the sexual uh, liberation and freedom movement, uh, you know, in white communities and white women wanting to be uh, liberated from their husbands. Then you had uh, the the introduction of welfare programs, right? Yeah. And then you also had at the same time the the intentional and strategic removal of black men from households. So by the time black women are saying, well, we want what these white women are doing. We want to do these things, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what they didn't account for is that nobody was removing white men from households and that destabilization of a family structure had ripple effects that we never even thought about. And so mm. not, not, not only the breakdown in relationships, right, because one parent now has to be both parents, but then also this removal of stigma, right? So if you think about the church being the center of Black communities well up until, right, the, I'll even say the, the late 60s, early 70s, yeah. that center created a consequence mechanism that kept people from doing dumb shit or fuck shit out there to ruin their reputation and the reputation of their family, their communities, and so forth. Yeah. So let you, let you get pregnant when you're 16. They're going to do it. They're going to ship you down south. You had to come back and you know whatever, right? But it was there was a certain level of uh, reputation, um, respect, and stigma put around certain behaviors that kept you from doing certain things. Well, the moment all of that disappears, well, guess what? Now you start to see things become normalized, and you move that through the seventies, the eighties, nineties, and you start to see the 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 groundswell of media pushing this narrative of I can do bad all by myself. I don't need a man, I, I got my own. I got my degree, right? And you start to see the media reflect that, whether it was in the music, whether it was in the movies, whether it was in the news. And they're pushing this uh, single mother narrative or this independent woman narrative, knowing that interdependence is the only way you're strong as a community. So we have- yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of shit to break down and the implications of just doing those things, uh, social engineering, have devastated us. And we're now in like the fourth generation post those things. And now you're getting sexy reds and Sukihamas and, yeah. and right and ice spices and these the narratives, the visuals, the the lyrics and what it's doing to the youth and the yeah. frequencies. Bro. Oh my god. Yeah, same thing with drill. Yeah, yeah same thing with drill. That's it. But you know, I feel like, and again, I'm a parent. Um, Jared's a, a, a parent. You know, I got two. All, all, all fathers here. You mm -hmm. know, but one thing we struggle with, and I'm gonna keep it a hundred with you, John. One yeah. thing that I struggle with the most in my relationships is the continued message. Right? If I say this is what we're doing. When he's at my, because, because, you know, I'm not married, right? So I had two children. I have okay. two boys. Um, not, and I'm not with the women that I had, you know, children with. We co parent, but I'm like, listen, 
man. When, if he comes to my house or something goes wrong and I say, this is what we doing, then the message goes to you. This is what we doing. Then when he goes to his grandmother's house, even on your side, this is still oh, what we doing. The problem is that's where the disconnect is. And this is community wide, right? I'll say something. Then he'll go home to his mama and she'll say something different. Then he go to his grandmama over there and, they, and she'll say something. And then the strictness or the, the rules and the regulations keep getting broken down to we're back to zero. There's no there's no consequence or there's no um, reaction to the action or the, or, the, or the decision that they made. That's right. The problem. This is what's happening in our community in general. Right. Like mm -hmm. you said can't come together because some of us is like, now nah, we're not accepting that. Right. But guess what? When you go to school, they're accepting it in school. When you're in school, 10 hours a fucking day, you understand what I'm saying? Then you go to an after school program and what are they doing in after school? Are they really doing homework or are they letting you fucking song and dance and, and, and play around? The message is not the same. And I think until we can, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but until we get a unified message, mm -hmm. some yeah. sort of baseline, John, I feel like there's never going to be any type of structure other than just chaotic spaces of pockets, right? Yeah, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, and like little tribes of people that are doing things. Yeah. I feel like we're always going to be segregated like that. What you think, Jared? Yeah. I, I agree. We're segregated now. We're going to continue to be that, bro. That's just what it is, man. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. I, I would love to say we would be together, bro, yeah. but it's just... It's too much. Like you said, man, it's the trust. I think you, you nailed it with the trust, bro. That It all goes back down to the trust. Brother, so that, that's what I'm interested in hearing more discussion about. Like, first question, how do you, right how do you build trust amongst people that look like you, right? Yeah. And then you have to self-examine, like, what are my preconceived notions when I see a brother, when I see a sister, what am I thinking first, right? Is mm -hmm. it positive? Or is it one of mistrust or distrust? If, if so, why? Right. Is it is it really something there or is it programming? Right. And then you just have to fight that program. I don't use I don't use the word nigga in my lexicon at all. Right. It's brother or sister. Right. And that was my first foray into breaking that program because I knew the history of it. Right. Mm. And so little changes become model examples. Right. It's 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 about small steps that become big, uh, you know, big changes in direction. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be this massive sweep at the end of the day. It took them 600 years to get us to where we are today in terms of our programming. Of course. We've yeah. only been fully legally human citizens in this country by the law for 60 years. Right. Yeah, still fresh. You yeah. Know, <laughs> also, you also hit, hit the hammer on the nail when you said about separating the black father. That is done oh. by that is done specifically. They that is designed to happen. You know why? Because you mask they do that shit now have you have you even watched the fucking programming of tv now have you watched the programming that they're putting now yo they're pushing homosexuality so hard they're pushing this fucking transgender so i'm not saying you can't be what you want to be i'm saying why are you pushing it so fucking hard why is every commercial i see an interracial couple every fucking couple is not interracial mm. but they're pushing this narrative so fucking yeah. hard that you know what it does? It's like you said, it's the, the, the carrot on the stick. It's the look at the shiny thing. Look at the shiny yeah. thing. And everybody's running to the shiny thing and you're not paying attention to what the fuck they're really doing behind your back. 
I just seen that they again, like Florida's the fucking worst. Now that I heard they're passing some fucking law to take out books and you know stop teaching cer certain history and are you fucking and they're doing it right in front of your face. And, 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 and once again, it doesn't get the coverage. You'll hear about it, but nobody's right. talking about it. There's no conversation right. to be had. And then by, by tomorrow's news cycle, some other right. Lexi Red shit went viral again, and they'll right. be on that. Right. <laughs> That's and what then, happens. But, but here's the thing, John, and I'm, and I'm gonna say this to you, and I, and I know you're yeah. gonna feel this, right? Yes, sir. The revolution is not gonna be televised, but if they demasculate the fucking black man, there is not gonna be no fucking revolution. You demasculate the black man to a point there will be no revolution because everybody's gonna be too fucking soft to fight back mentally and physically. So whatever the government decide to do with us, they're just gonna fucking railroad us, and it's Message. not back. That's what it's gonna be. And that's what the fuck they're programming us to do. Got motherfuckers wearing dresses and shit. Are you talking about, oh, that's high-end fashion, motherfucker? It's a dress. Oh, we don't play that. <laughs> fucking dress, bro. It's a, it's a skirt. Yeah. You know, okay, shout out to the Irish. It's a guilt. Okay, it's a guilt. It's a guilt. Hate it. Hate the kilt. We hate yeah. that. Wait, hold up, hold up. Before you continue, if you want to get something, you know what I mean, some real shit for the hood, <laughs> You gotta scan this motherfucking code right there. <laughs> you can get your more than a title hoodie. You, you know, we ain't gonna demasculate this real shit. You know what I mean? With five, four, three, two, you know it. I'm not I'm not knocking fashion, man. But like I said, like there's there's gotta be a fucking line that we draw in the sand where we like, come on, man, cut this shit out. You understand Word. what I'm saying? Word. Look, I I I'll say this and and you know my journey towards uh, understanding uh, our, our LGBTQI plus community, right? I have family. Yeah, we all have family who yeah, have yeah. who are members of those communities. Right. What I what I agree with is that there is, I think, an over uh, an over emphasis on trying to showcase something that historically was not showcased. So I'll, I'll yeah, give, give that. But I also recognize imbalance. Yeah. And one thing that we have never seen is, I, I, I'll, I'll preface with this. I had asked a question a few years back when it was Twitter before it was X. Can anybody name a, 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 a sitcom, an all black sitcom that featured a happily married stay at home mom that homeschooled their children? Right. Mm. No doesn't exist mm. can any right and so the closest you get is happily married stay-at-home mom and, and somebody would say uh uh was it the jeffersons but i'm like right 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 so 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 you've never had a media representation of a uh a thriving black family i don't even say like rich but just husbands out there working providing for the family mom staying home and rearing the children and, and the mothers are the first source of education for our children, right? They're the support mechanism for men who are out there making the money and supporting the family by providing so that the house has peace and a mm. stable a stable environment for the children to be, right? And the man, and the man to come home and, and have uh, relief and respite and support, right? We've never seen examples of that. Now I know that that's not everybody's financial situation, but here's the thing. Mm. To your point about Florida, they're taking these books out of school. They're they're re re they're augmenting the education curriculum to to make it look like slavery was 
uh, you know, uh, uh, an improvement to the to the African's life. Like, like right. it's wild. But nobody, right? Instead of taking our kids out of those schools and homeschooling them and creating communities or pods of uh, education, um, educational resources for our kids, we're going to to the uh, to the PTA and to the uh, student. Uh, was it uh, the board meetings? Yeah. fighting their curriculum when they control the education system. Like it's blowing my mind. We're asking them to do what we should be doing on our own, what every other culture does for themselves. Yeah. And wonder, I'm wondering why they're not changing. Well, why would they? It's their system. But it's we can't system. we can't have it both ways. Cause you know what? We want it, we 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 want to have the curriculum, the good curriculum, but at the same time, I, I'm tired of these damn kids. Put them in school. <laughs> I gotta go to work. Oh, you know how you can't have them both. That's real shit. Freedom or security. That's it. Freedom, Freedom or security. Freedom and security. Fucking school has become babysitting hours. That's really what the fuck school is for most parents. Especially if you got badass kids. I could get this motherfucker away from me for 10 hours a day and let him be somebody else's problem. That's what they doing, bro. School is, school is fucking babysitting time for parents now. That shit ain't even about education for a lot of parents. That shit is, let me get this crazy motherfucker away from me for 10 hours and let somebody else do the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you what it is. Yeah, I'm a homeschool. Nobody schooled me. I don't have the schooling. I'm not willing to put in the work to learn myself yeah. and, and, and develop yep. myself to develop my child. Yep. That's And that's a bigger conversation because there's yeah. a lot of things we'll devote and commit time to. Yep. That don't have as that nearly as beneficial an outcome, right? Because no. we know what's going on in the shade room. But let's piggyback it. Let's piggyback it. I can yeah. understand why. Also, if you're a single mother, if sure. you're a single mother, how without being a product of the system where you're totally relying on the, on the, on the welfare services system to take care of you, how do you now take care of a child and keep the lights on and stuff like that and be able to provide that level of education and comfort and keep the lights on, et cetera, et cetera, without any type of viable income coming in? It's an economical-based problem, which, once again, by design, they make it that way. I, I would only disagree in that it's not an economical-based problem. It goes back to, again, what's that foundation of a self-sufficient community? Oh, oh mm. got you. We don't have community because they're... Look, I got you. We, we weren't in a better economical situation in the 50s, yeah. but we had community. So if one needed something, there was somebody who would provide exactly. while, one, while, while that single mother went out and worked. Yeah. Absolutely. So right. without community, nothing else goes. So that single mother has no support. Yeah. And then we also have to get back to why is she a single mother? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's right? real shit, bro. So so it's it's going to be a series uh and and decades, if not longer, yeah. before we age out that behavior, that programming and get back to the alternative. And I Look, the only way that these things have ever shifted in human history is either by uh, force, right? <laughs> War has come and shifted that power balance or cataclysmic events. Sets the shit back to zero. Yeah. You know, I'm curious too, John, as you're saying that, what, what's what throughout your studies, bro? What's mm. one moment in black history that you wish was more mainstream that we all knew about? If you had to pick one. Oh, that's a fantastic question. Um, That more people knew about. Because we know the Black Wall Streets, we know um, what's the other one in uh, Alabama, Fourth Mar Fourth Ave Market, Fourth Ave Market. Fourth yeah, there's a few yeah. other ones. You know what I'm saying? But what, but what, uh, what's one story that we like? Damn, if somebody could write the movie of this shit and I could get it to my people, what is it? 
Okay, what what go, go ahead go ahead, John, while you thinking, let me give you some thinking music. I think honestly it's it's interesting. There's a couple of things that I was like, well, why haven't they done a movie on that yet? And one of them is uh Black Wall Street, but the other one is the the Haitian Revolution. Mm. Yeah. Right. So so that I mean, when you when you dig into that, and I know why they haven't filmed that one yet. They just mm. uh, did one with Napoleon, but they won't show the other one. Yeah, Napoleon was fired up. I saw. You know, when we're coming up in grade school and social studies, we all hear about the Louisiana Purchase, right? Yeah, yeah. What most people don't realize is that in order for somebody to buy something, there has to be somebody to sell it. Well, who was selling Louisiana? It was mm -hmm. the French. What most people don't know is why the French would be interested in selling Louisiana to the Amer to the Amer uh, the the U.S. The, to the colonies of the U.S. government um, at such a low price. Well, the reality is the Haitian Revolution broke the French economy. Them mm. bankrupts, they had to start liquidating assets. Mm. That's, That's how powerful that shit was. Mm -hmm. Right? And so when you look at how that movement, and they'll say, you know, it was it was by, by people who were ill-equipped educationally or militarily. No, 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 no. You don't break the one of the strongest standing armies in the world at that time yeah. by being ill-equipped, period, point blank. Mm. And so the reverberating effects even throughout the Caribbean was they're trying to now stamp out any other Haiti revolutions by right. all means because that shit broke France. And mm. I mean, that's like America, England, France, Spain. That's Big it. Four. That's it. Portugal, right? yeah. but bruh. Yeah. So, so there's a reason why you haven't seen a film yet. Yeah, but look, but look, look. Just long story mm. short, but look, look at. And I love the fact that Haiti did what they had to do. But look at what the fuck. And the United States is a part of that shit too, because they do the collections on that shit. Sure. Look at what the fuck they're doing to Haiti now. Haiti is still paying fucking France back for breaking them. That's why Haiti can't. Haiti pays so much fucking money back. That's why they can't build up their fucking economy now because they have to pay all that fucking money back and reparate that they don't all that damage that they caused by getting their own fucking freedom. Mm -hmm. and the United mm -hmm. States is a part of that shit too because they fucking help collect that fucking money. Yeah, yeah. you got freedom, but yeah. at what cost? At, 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 at absolutely what fucking mm. cost. You know what I mean? That's um, Thanks, man. And, yeah. and that's that's that would be something I would love to see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, hit major box offices. But again, that's their construct showing us our reality. So yeah, we don't they, yeah, they showed the Napoleon. They had Yo Kim Phoenix. He played the hell out of that. I ain't gonna hold you. I want to see it. I wanna see it. Yeah. Joaquin, yeah, Joaquin played the hell out of that. He's talented. He's talented. Very much so. Very much. I wanna, I wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna downplay what's going on right now because there are a lot of proactive, um, very successful um, black and brown people that are fighting the good fight, man. You got like I love Killer Mike, man. The, the work that yeah. Killer Mike, the work that Killer Mike is doing down there in the South, man, is just fucking phenomenal, man. He's not perfect, but I mean. You talking about Killer Mike is, you know what I mean? T.I. just opened up, you know, the affordable housing um, complex down there, man. So, there, you know, um, you know, Mike Epps bought his his community back in um, and uh, where's he from? Uh, Midwest or some uh, Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana, Indiana, Indianapolis or Indiana or something like that. Indianapolis, I believe. Yeah. Indianapolis, right. Mm -hmm. 
you know, he's building homes back out there and something, you know what I mean? So uh -huh. there are people doing it, right? And I want to say salute to you guys, man. You know, salute to you guys. I just, I just feel like there needs to be more. And the reason I say that is because we are holding these celebrities on this pedestal, right? Back in the day, people worship gods, right? Deities, right? That's what celebrities are now. They're deities. They're, they're our gods in human form, right? These are these people that we're putting up on this pedestal. I, you know, I, I, Jared going to laugh. I've seen people wish motherfuckers happy birthday. Cele happy birthday, bro. Man, you big hove. Yo, what up, baby? <laughs> it was my birthday last week, motherfucker. You wish your cousin happy birthday. Look at the sparkling come through. <laughs> oh, <this shit. laughs> I hope he sees it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know, <laughs> big fucking thing. And you yeah. know, you know, no fucking cousin a happy birthday, right? Yes. That's right. We got to change that. That's nasty work. The people that are in the limelight, I, all I'm saying is the people that are in the limelight, I, I believe this wholeheartedly. With great power comes great responsibility, right? Nobody's perfect. We, as human beings, we are in search of perfection, but nobody will ever truly be perfect. And I do believe that everybody will make a mistake. So don't judge a person on a one-time action, but just judge him by the long-term deeds in his heart. You know what I'm saying? What his heart shows you yeah. where, where it is. You know what I mean? But I believe that if more people in power that have this spotlight started to showcase more of that, I think we could get the change moving a lot faster. I just think that the fact that we don't see it as much is so easy because we get swamped with all the negative shit that when you hear that one positive but the 20 negatives, it gets drowned out. So I got a segue for both of y'all. Yeah. Money aside, we hit the lot of tomorrow. You can change. What's the one thing that you would do with for your neighborhood with the money that you get? How much money we talking though? That's relevant. To I'm just what? saying of let's say 50 mil. 50 million, you're gonna bring home about not, not like, ten, like maybe 10 million, 10 million into the hood. What's up? What, what are you doing? Yeah, bring home, you bring home 10 million, you want to bring it back to the hood. What is one thing that you're trying to do that you think would make an impact? You want to start with that, John? Yeah, I mean, that they can, you know, to touch on all the things that we're talking. You know what I mean? How do we create community to build the trust with that money and access? What would you do with it? I would first start with a youth travel and exposure program. Okay. Oh, I love that idea. We, yeah, talked, so. we talked earlier about so. the power of just getting out of your environment and seeing yeah. what's possible. Like when I when I left the country for the first time, I came back and I realized that in the in the states we look at the world through a keyhole right yeah you get out of the country it's like the door's been kicked wide open you're like oh shit like there's yeah. so much more so i think that that level of exposure would would change trajectories for generations so create a recurring tra uh, travel program outside of uh the state the country whatever right levels that um the other thing i would i would start to think about is uh, you know, 10 million is going to go quick, but um, education on the importance of um, uh, legacy and living trusts, right? Mm. Because at the end of the day that we talk about generational wealth, I don't believe generational wealth is in assets. It's in actual children, right? Mm. Your, your, your children, your babies are your generational wealth, because think about it. What, you, what your offspring will do is generate income, wealth, and potentially other things. So the investment is in the children, not, not 
not only in a in a in a you know uh, in a business or in a property or some shit revenue generating asset right cash flow generating asset yes and right your your children are that generation so I would help to educate us on the importance of setting our legacies up not just to be comfortable but to have a starting point from which they can then achieve more Mm, that's dope. I definitely agree with you with the travel. I, I agree with both though. That travel, I know for me personally how it changed my life. What do you, what do you say, bro? Yeah. Well, you you already know you already know what I told you, Jared. I think me and you both share the same idea on this. Um, John, and and I'm not saying if is I'm telling you, I'm gonna make this shit happen. Like we're gonna buy a building, we're gonna buy a building and, and we're gonna open up this building to be a true multi-service learning center for the youth, and we're mm-hmm. gonna youth programs and and this is going to be like the buck stops here like ain't no fucking jumping through hoops ain't no you understand mm-hmm. we're not accepting everybody is going to be a process because obviously limited amount of seats and we can only run a certain amount of programs um until we actually get state and federal funding which we'll obviously try to link up for but create a space where people can come in and actually learn what they want to learn without the fucking bullshit like you want to learn how to start a business business classes on mondays you know sure. what I'm saying? Plain and simple. You want to learn credit? Credit classes is on Tuesdays. You understand? You want to learn photography? Photography is somewhere. And create a true multi-service center where we can have practical applications, studio spaces where they can learn hands-on, and then have also classrooms where we can teach these things in real time. And we're going to keep track of this shit. Like, this is not like a one-stop shop, and this is why it has to start small, right? We're going to track this thing all the way through. So, okay, boom, you start, you want to learn a business? We taught you business. Now, open the business, right? Now, we're going to track all of these numbers. How many people did we teach business? How many successful businesses did we open? How many? And we're going to track this shit all the way through because guess what after you open up the business you might need additional resources and education on how to whatever investment capital all that absolutely man people that want to learn podcasts we're gonna have a podcast booth in it you understand we're going to set this thing up because we want to show especially me i want to show you the difference between you everybody doesn't have to go to college to be successful john you understand what i'm saying because everybody's measure of success is different that's right you understand saying so everybody then everybody also is just not like that book you know sit down structure book that's not everybody some people are technical people some people you know what i'm saying they're better hands-on they're better with coding and things of that nature so you want to show that there can be success created in other avenues other than the traditional college yeah you can go to college if you want to but if not you can come here and learn so many different other things and still be successful i promise you john yeah. we're gonna make this definitely, thing happen. definitely want I, 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 I would add something too to that because that we're on the same goal with that Absolutely. i would also want to create a program for the brothers and sisters who just came out of jail and how yeah. to make sure they know how to be entrepreneurs so we can virtually integrate them into the community so they do feel like there is an option right like you yeah. said like all the brothers that, i know how many brothers that just came home that don't podcast I'm like, brother, your life is a movie. It's a movie, bro. You shitting me? You lived Oz. You lived the experience. You've heard so many stories. You've heard the gems. You've learned from the people that are lifers. You have the opportunity to come out in the real world. That's why I love the example of Wallow. Like, I love what he does and what he represents. You know what I mean? Now, how many Wallows are there? And Champ. And Champ. Oh, shout out to my brother Champ. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. That's my my dog. Word, but saying, you know what I mean? But it has to start with rules and regulations, John. I'm just telling you ahead of time. Please. This is not this is not for fucking play play. You understand? This is going to be a very stringent program and we're going to take the people that want to be there. See, it's a difference. 
if you open up the doors to everybody and everybody can take it as an option, then they come in as an option mindset. This is no, this is a competitive program. You want to be in this fucking program. You're going to show that you want to be in this fucking program because we want people that want to give their all. That's going to not only be on time, but come early. That's going to stay late. That you understand. That's the people we want. Cause that's how the, you're going to grow the program and make it successful. We don't want the people that can be like, I could take it or leave it then leave it. Get the fuck out. You're not like that. We, it's going to be like that because that's the, that's the, you know, we that's need discipline. It has discipline. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm only going to add two, two uh, nuggets of wisdom to your already brilliant uh, ideas. Um, one, there has to be a curriculum on yes. how to be a husband and how to be a wife. Absolutely. Mm. Relationships. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm saying that specifically, not just to get to marriage, because that's just the starting point. Yeah. <laughs> How to be a successful husband and wife, because that is the that is our strength. If we yeah. don't have that that strong family structure, bro, it's everything else dwindles. The businesses will fail without that support. Because yeah. you'll grind yourself to a heart attack by 40 <laughs> that balance. I love that. You feel me? The other thing is there has to be uh some measure to your point about um, yes, you want to, but what are you going to do to showcase your desire and what um uh, requirements are we going to impose before you get in here? Yeah, okay. Every who doesn't want to to make millions of dollars as an entrepreneur? Here's what we need to see from you first to gain acceptance. There has to be some level of exclusivity Absolutely. to weed out the bullshit, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So like they do with the YPO programs and all that. Hundred yeah. percent. And then also like the business incubators, like a business incubator. That's it. But we need it for our community. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. need it for our community. And then you impose a very strict dress code. Mm. Really? Because at the end of 100%, because here's the thing, what other culture allows you to come as you are? Mm. You have to have some level of, uh, of values, uh, yeah. behaviors, and ways in which we expect you to operate to represent us when you leave. Yeah. Hmm. Right. You look at that. Look at our Asian brothers, our Arab brothers, our Jewish brothers, our Muslim They all have a dress code. Mm. They all have a set of values, morals, beliefs, world ideals, and, and, and ways in which they behave that are acceptable within the community. And those that don't want to abide by that, that's fine. Go be you, but you won't be in this community. Mm. Yeah. So what level of, right, when you have the ability to control the environment of who gets in, who who gets in and does well and thrives, and then goes off to, you're, you're, you're building people that are going to replicate your belief. Right. So in that, in that program, they are going to represent you brothers. You yeah. want to make sure they look like they represent you and they behave, they act the way and they act the part because that will then become attractive to other people. Like, bro, how? that's the nation of Islam's model right there. Why do you think those brothers wear bow ties? Yeah, man. That's a and, fact. Because they stand out from everybody else who has no code. Mm. Can we not change the mindset and still change the gear? Because that that's, a, I'm going to keep it real with you, John. That's one of my, that's one of my, that's one of my beliefs, right? One yeah. thing that made me pop on LinkedIn, I think we had this conversation on the other panel, was being myself and being able to be my authentic self with the hat and the hoodie on LinkedIn is basically sure. what you would think would be that, right? So why can't we show that it's a different narrative? Like, I don't want to be the brother sweating with the bow tie and it's 90 degrees outside. I want some ball spots on with some Jordans, but I still also have a moral code. You know what I'm trying to say? I and think that's, the moral that's code is more than dress. But what that it works one of two ways. One, when you control your environment, uh -huh. then that works. But then the other side is 
every sport has a uniform. We ain't lying. You can't show up on the football field with, with track gear, right? You can't show up on the basketball court with hockey gear. Yes. <laughs> and if we're going to play as a team, we should actually have a similar uniform. Now, you know, see see what happened? Touche. You know, sports guys, I'm a sports guy. Jared's a sports yeah. guy. We've been watching sports. We've been participating in sports our whole lives. And Dang. look at that, man. I have never thought about it in that light. Hell, no, I haven't had it broke down like that. That's definitely a clip. Yeah, that's a fact. Like, yo, every sports team got a fucking fucking uniform. Every fucking... Dr. Dr. Anderson will tell you we're the only only people that don't play as a team. Yeah. We're Hmm. the only people that don't. So, So if we can control the environment and the curriculum... And, and, you know, and sort of plant those ideals and beliefs Then we also need to have some uh, code of how we're going to conduct ourselves, be viewed and view each other and hold ourselves to a standard. That's real. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's yeah. how you control your, your community. Absolutely. I love that. But you also said something else that was super, that's super real. The curriculum mm-hmm. to learn how to be a husband and a wife, right? What you said, successful husband, success is subjective though. So, so what do you, what would be the criteria for something like that? So I would love to hear your perspective, just like one example on both sides or something. 100%. So, so I'll say, and, and I'll send y'all a link after this, but there was a, a really right. dope um, uh, uh, interview series that has the conversations that we need to have, especially amongst Black folks. And they interviewed a husband and wife who are uh, in business together and you know raising children, raise children, so forth. Yeah. Um, success in, in, in my household is... Um, the shared vision for not only how our house will uh, grow and prosper, but also how we set our children up to go out and be uh, uh, contributing, strong contributors uh, to not only society, but to their people and community, right? Mm -hmm. And so even if your partnership as a married couple only lasts to the point where you ship your kids out into the world, now they're off doing their thing, then that's a successful marriage in my view. Right. Everybody could, could have their own perspective, but I think as long as it's centered around uh, setting up the legacy for success, by whatever standard you set, but to, to set up your legacy to be uh, you know strong contributing producers, not just consumers uh, in society. I, I could I could get with that. Yeah, but, but it, it, it sounds it sounds so straightforward. But why do you think that's not happening? Because I think everybody goes into marriage thinking that same thing, right? But you can't still do that. Well, I I disagree. I don't think everybody goes into marriage. Um, I don't think everybody goes into majority. I don't think the majority. I think that the idea of the sanctity of marriage has been so watered down throughout generations Mm. that that the idea of marriage is completely different than the foundation and reality. Thank you. I'm I'm going to say brother and um you know i want to tell you something i had i i didn't grow up um with my parents being married um i actually my experiences from a you know a phenomenal married couple actually is is from jared's family um because his mom and his dad are married and they they've always been married and i grew up with them and um they're, they're one of the best examples to me like you know of, of a black black love that you know they were married but, you know, I'm just telling you, like, in, in the hood, you don't see it too often. I'm going to just be honest with you. Like, 95, you know, percent of, you know, us 
children, you know, women or males born in the hood as single mothers or, you know, they, the, the father and the mother might be together for a while, but then they end up going their separate ways. But it's not a marriage. Bro, you know, I was the only one of my friends with both yeah. parents in my entire neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. bro, seven the only one. Black when are born out of wedlock. That, that's yeah, sad. right. You know what I mean? Um, I think I think it it falls. I think it falls into um, what you hold as your core principle value, right? And I'll just use myself as an example. I don't follow a specific religious denomination, even though I was baptized as a child and I used to go to church with my family. When I got older, I decided to just concentrate on spirituality and, huh. and, and the rules that how I feel like I should govern my life as a, as a grown man. But I do value the sanctity of marriage, right? So, and I'm a military guy, right? So you didn't go to the military, but I did. That's what saved my life. I'm a Marine. I went into the military, and if anybody knows about the military, one of the number one money makers in the military is contract marriages. I can tell you that right now. It's contract marriages. Motherfuckers marry their cousin, they friend. You get some benefits. I give you the card. You shop at the PX. I pay for your college. I give you $300 a month. Get away from me. But I refuse, you know, I refused. Okay. I refused to get married for money. I'm just being honest with you. Could it have helped me in a lot of situations? Hell yeah. yeah. I done had some proposals like, how much you fucking make? And you want to marry me? You know what I'm saying? Well, economically, I'd have been in a whole different space. But um, like I tell, like I tell all my friends, I'm like, listen, I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just like, you know, for me, even though I, I've never grew up, even though I've never grown up um with marriage technically like in my in my immediate education it's still something that i felt i learned a great value for i never grew up with 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 my biological father being a full-time father and i feel like i'm a phenomenal father you see what i'm saying so it is possible to learn values and learn things that you weren't taught immediately you understand what i'm saying I, you know so I think for me like you know i tell anybody like listen you want to marry me i'm only getting married once like hear it out of my mouth like you know how they say when somebody tell you something listen like I'm only getting married one motherfucking time. Like this shit is till death do we part. You know what I'm saying? Like if right. you're not walking in this situation with that mindset, right. this ain't what you want. <laughs> yeah, but that's bad. But that's a motherfucking fit. It sounds good. And three years later, you no, no, no. <laughs> got the car, the kids, the dog. She yeah, bought it all. Nah, but you know, Take it all. It, it can't yeah. be like if, if you are selective. It, it, there's a difference between marrying somebody like you understand for, for financial yeah. gain or, or prosperity or marrying somebody that you actually feel like you can build and grow with. I think a lot of people forget that part. You get married at, with, with a person that you can deal with and y'all on the same page right now, but you're not thinking 10 years, 15 years, 20 years in the future, how that person's going to grow. Does that person want to grow? Are they showing you signs that they want to grow in the same direction as you? So that's the thing that you're talking about, John, being in alignment with how do we both feel about children? How do we both feel about legacy? How do we both feel about education? You understand? How do we both feel about economic progress and 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 and, and ownership and, and business things, right? Absolutely. So, you know, I think it's a serious, serious conversation. Absolutely. And I think it's not one that you can have just one time. I think but this people, is- But whole, people in life changes, man. You can't, there's so many different variables, man. People in life change, bro. So that's why that's the that's the fear I have. Yeah, I'm not saying they you know don't. Let us you know. be, be honest. Yeah, so so there's a couple right. of things that you that you put out there, and I, and I think um, are worth digging deeper into. And I and I appreciate a couple wait, things wait, you said. Hold on, because we didn't give you one. Whoa. For me, 
Sean. You got out the, the, the digging deeper. Oh, we didn't give you one. Oh, <laughs> it was the oh, tone and the way you went in. Let's go oh, deeper. I was about to say, I know I've been careful all show. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Been on oh, shit, bro. It, it was pause-worthy, for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 thank you for your service and your sacrifice as, yeah, as a, as a veteran uh, in, right. in the armed services. I appreciate yes, that. Your example of not growing up with your biological father still enabled you to be a great father. Yeah. What I will ask you though, and, and get as vulnerable as you want. Absolutely. We we don't hold nothing back on the show. <laughs> um, what do you think? And, and and let me ask the follow question: Were you raised by a single mother? So I want to say single in the sense that she wasn't with my father. Yes, but okay. but not single because my mother dated and I was raised by another man that wasn't my biological father. So I had a father figure. He just wasn't mine biologically. So you right. did have a strong male or, or positive male uh, role model or, or or presence in your life growing up. I, I wouldn't say positive. I, I had one. <laughs> he, he got he got you out the house and you didn't, you, you didn't get incarcerated. You didn't die before you got out, right? No, I wouldn't say that either. Okay, okay. Let me, okay. We'll right, say that. Walking all the way down. <laughs> walking all the way down. I, the I, I would say, <laughs> this is what I will say. This is what I will say. I will say that he tried his best to instill okay. in me a great balance between um, street knowledge and real mm -hmm. life, right? Okay. Okay, but cool. but in addition to him, in addition to him, and I, and again, a lot of the credit goes back to Jared's family, Jared's uncle. Um, who is like, I credit him as like, my, yeah, yeah, that's my heart. I credit him with actually being like the best fundamental foundation that I've had from a male figure. Um, Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So community yeah. stepped in where there was absolutely, absolutely. So absolutely. community has to step in. Going absolutely. So, so when we have 70% of black children born out of wedlock, the stats yeah. are staggering in terms of the downstream impacts, the higher levels of incarceration or propensity to be incarcerated as a result. Mm -hmm. um, the the uh, the um, I mean, there, there's so many stats and I can't even remember them all. But my point is, yeah. um, the question that I have for you is, what do you think would have been different for you if your father was involved? And you may, and I'm going to preface before you answer that, you won't know. But what do you think you missed? I, I can I can definitely answer that. I I, I know what it is. I, it's my it was my focusness. Okay, so the it focus was, on it it was my focusness because I didn't have a constant male role model to give me direction on what it was to be a man. I went in the streets sure. and tried to find it in the streets from my friends, peers. Yep, right. peers to with a supplement. Absolutely, you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. So, yeah, but yeah. again. And and it took a long time because because Jared's uncle didn't live with me. I only got yeah. to see him a certain amount of time. He's the it's the same thing that I told you happens with with us now when we got our boys and they learn from us, then they go back home with the mom, right? If it's the 80-20, it's who who's the parent that has the most yeah. influence, right? So because he wasn't influencing me most of the time, he fought an uphill battle because I'm getting all of this influence from the street and then only this influence from you. Even though it's positive, it's fighting the program that I'm getting most of the time. 100%. Yeah, and after a certain age, our peer group is going to is going to be the strongest. Absolutely. On, right. There's right. a lot of uh, great. So that's exactly what it was. And I think I think for me, I would have gotten I, I would have been a lot more focused, a lot faster. And I wouldn't have, I call it spinning your wheels. 
I wouldn't have spun my wheels trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do for so long. Because as, as African-Americans, black and brown people, we waste a lot of fucking time trying to figure out what we want to be in life. We waste a lot of time trying to figure out what to do with our lives. And we end up putting our energy into the wrong fucking things that never just pan out. Absolutely. And you know, another, another, I was gonna say a quick, quick point too. something that we haven't addressed, I think is the reprogramming of people who have single parents growing up that seen that and think that's acceptable. But but yes, like my mom my mama did it. You yeah, know what I mean. So we can we can we can struggle and we can do all this and da, da, da. Yeah. I could do. I I turned out okay. You know what I'm saying. That mindset. We're on the fourth generation of that programming right now, and the, mm. and, and the challenge is again, what do you have to look back and say? Well, yeah. that was the model that worked for them. And well, who am I to be different? Right? Yeah. They don't know because there's no other example to counter that. It's the fish and water concept again. Yeah. Okay. So, so so it's exposure. But even that with marriage, right? Like it's and and you said you said this uh, as well, Jared. Like the fear is right. Like when you get in, you change. What I believe is that, um, and I've also really examined like the, the the dating scene for for black singles right now, especially black professionals. And these streets is tough, from what I hear. I've been out the game since pre digital, but either way. I'm about you know right now. He's a faithful man. He's been out the game long. I'm in the words of Tupac. They show a young brother love. And that's on the rail. That's on the motherfucker. No, I'm just saying that's for me. I'm the host. But look, here's the thing with that, right? So, so you don't, you aren't the same person that on the day of the wedding. That yeah. you are 10, 15 years later, right? Like you yeah. change, you evolve yeah. as people in general. The work in that relationship is to ensure that you aren't growing apart, that you're growing yeah. together, right? Mm. Most people that come into those relationships, even if they have this mindset of I want to get married, how many of us have healed the broken parts of us before we go into a relationship with somebody else who's also broken? Message. Most of us don't even do that. And, and yet we get together thinking that somehow we're going to change their brokenness to suit our brokenness and then wonder why it doesn't work out. So well, you, yeah. you feed off the brokenness and, the, and it becomes one of those love toxic fucking relationships. Super toxic. Like, why the fuck are y'all even together? Because I'm broken and she's broken and we feed off of that shit. And our brokenness just, just yeah. really is attractive yeah. and like attracts like and birds yeah. of a flock together. Yeah. And then you have this generational repeating cycle because guess what? You watch broken relationships yeah. and that's normal for you. And so did she. And yeah. now we're just bringing our four generations of broken relationships together and expecting it to work. So my thing is, mm-hmm. we have to spend a significant amount of time breaking ourselves down to the to the studs as it were yeah. and rebuilding so that we're ready to bring a relationship into into exam, uh, into reality and manifest that for a strong healthy marriage and don't get me wrong marriage as an institution versus marriage as a commitment to going through life creating legacy and nurturing that is, are two different things two different right things. Yep. absolutely wow. and so there, there's a tax benefit and there's a financial benefit like today you mentioned but yeah, then I mean, it is a business. Marriage, technically, the legal form of marriage is, is a business. It is Bro, a business. I, I heard somebody say, uh, we spend more time helping our kids choose which college to go to than which mate to choose. Yeah. Now, if you look at those two decisions, which one is more impactful in terms of the outcome of your life? 
your mate for sure. Your mate for sure, right? But but yeah, we're talking. <laughs> we're trying to figure out which application and you know what what the scores. No, no, no. Like you should be learning from people who have made those decisions in marriage to create what's going to be well, you know, way more impactful on your overall overall lifespan than the college you went to. Yeah, that's so real, man. Well, all the way back to like, let's add that to the curriculum. Yo, that yo, this is a dope ass conversation. Yo, I'm I'm again, this is why it is no. so it's so so important to talk to other fucking people because a simple conversation can enlighten you so much and push you in the direction that you might not have even been thinking about. And mm -hmm. we always talk about ROI, right? So here's here's the ROI, John. Yes, this is what me and Jared talk about, right? Impact over impressions. Impact over impression so we don't do clickbait because fuck clickbait if we can change one person or two people's lives that's what we care about that's what matters that's our return on investment because you change you change look somebody his uncle changed my life not only his uncles but his cousins his older cousins they helped change my life guess what i'm the fucking pillar of my family i'm the pillar of my i've been taking care of my family since i was like seven eight years old hustling my family you understand what I'm saying? Everybody come to me for everything. I'm, I'm the plug for everything. Financial, education, you want to buy a house, you want to, everybody comes to me. Right. But look at that. So now all the information that I've disseminated, all the people's lives that I've helped change, not only family, but friends, coworkers, I've altered their lives, which will ultimately alter their family lives. All that came from his uncle, his cousins, and the community pouring into me, helping to change me. So look at the ROI on that. How do you and, and take take it a step further, bro? Yeah. Right, the ROI on that. Now my uncle did that, and when he passed away, me yeah. me and cousin really became like this, right? Yeah. So yeah. one one thing he told me was like, "Yo, I'm working at BBQs." He's like, "Yo, we going to fucking Cancun." We yeah. put it on there. I'm like, yo, bro, I put 3000 on the fucking Discover card, went out there, <laughs> went for broke, and we had the illest time ever. But you know what it showed me? It showed what's possible legally. I'm sitting working at BBQs. My cousin's working in construction. They making money. They, we walking around with Nebuchadnezzar bottles, right? And shit like that. I got to pour the bottle like this and shit. You feel me? And I'm yeah. like, yo, this has to be life, right? And I came back home, got into sales, got into tech, took my career, became a VP, did all that shit. And now me building that, look how it comes back around. So now when it's time to start my own business, once I done jumped in the water, like I'm building a brand thing, I think we really got a shot to, to, to build generational wealth with this thing. Who do sure. I call? Cousin. You know what I'm saying? And now it's back in the fold. And now we're talking charting podcasts. Now we're talking, it, it's a cycle. And it all starts because y'all trust each other. Yeah. yeah. That part. Yeah. I trust you. And you don't have to be family to have that level of trust, man. Look, so many of these businesses that are massive, any of the fang companies, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, right? Yeah. Amazon. Um, if you look at how they started, for, for, the, for the most part, um, they started with uh, the founders working at another company, meeting their co-founders at the same company, and then deciding together off common vision or shared beliefs to go start another company. So we are surrounded by our co-founders every day. Yeah. Hmm. And, and we would go to some people that we have in our circle that we trust undoubtedly, but never think to say shit. Why don't we start something together? Yeah. Like, it, it, these like, are how these companies start. To you know, trust oh, is, is built and it's earned, John. And in our community, I think this is where we're missing, right? See, my cousin could come to me because, like he said, like when he was working in BBQs, I said, listen, bro, 
Come take a vacation with me. Let me show you how I live. Let me show you how, how my team parties. I'm not saying you don't party, but let me show you how we party. We we, we only rent out penthouses. And let me show you a different style yeah, of presidential. First I, year. I, said, I said, and I said, whatever you got, whatever you got, you got. And wherever you fall short, don't worry. As long as you up front with me, we'll carry the rest. That's a fact, though. Yeah. And that was the first vacation. After that, it was game over, right? But, crazy. But, but, it, but before that, it was years of trust of him understanding that, yeah, I move a certain way because I'm in the streets and I have a certain code, but I don't do certain shit. Like, you understand? Like, my name is never synonymous with snaking nobody and never synonymous with cheating nobody. Now, I'll knock your head off in a minute, absolutely, because I don't I don't tolerate bullshit and, and I'm quick to, to react. But it's, if, I, if I did something to you, it was for a good cause. It was for a reason. You understand? But you have to build that trust. I'm yeah. saying... Too many of us nowadays, you fuck up that trust for small things. You understand? You fuck up that oh, trust shit. for stupid shit. So then when it comes time for us to possibly give you an opportunity, you're like, nah, but you remember what he did for this stupid little shit? How can I trust you with something this big when you do stupid shit for, for shit this small? Yeah. So well, I think we have to start acting better. The extension yeah. of trust in business as we yeah. know it, paperwork. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> Look, yeah. I trust you. But let's protect ourselves as well, right? So I'm not just, look, I'm not just saying, because look, when you look at like Black Wall Street, you go back and you look at the history, not only was it like the the the, the general store or, you know, the bank, uh, it was also the insurance company. It was the, the, the law firms. It was, right, it was all of those things that were necessary to not only thrive, but also protect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No difference in, in that should be like a staple. I love you. But we're gonna put some paperwork in place just to keep ourselves uh, free of breaking up family generations because of some yeah. bullshit in business. Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, again, but again, if you like, Absolutely. my cousin came to me and he said, "Listen, I want to start a business," and I and I told him one thing right off the bat. I said, "Listen, I love you to death, but I run a business like business because he knows that I've run other businesses. Like I had three other businesses, fitness business and clothing lines and stuff. And I said, yeah. I run business like business. Like we could be cousins and we could, but we're gonna run business." like business. Now we have our updates and we have our down days, but the first thing we started with was the paperwork. The first thing we came to an understanding with is how to run the company. We have to feed the company before we feed ourselves. The company is the baby. The company is, you know what I mean? Without the company, we don't survive. So, you know, but again, he can put that trust in me because one, he knows that I have the practical application from running businesses, but also I have a degree in business, so right. I went yeah. to school and learned the fundamentals of business. You understand? Now I don't have my MBA all the way because I, I switched after my first degree because I was doing construction to get my engineering degree. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying I, I can go back, but I still took the time to go and learn fundamentally and build on the, the knowledge that I had about business. So it makes him easy for for him to trust me, and vice versa, right? I knew nothing about podcasting. I told him straight up, but I don't know fucking nothing about podcasting. Mm -hmm. You on LinkedIn? Fuck LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on a scoop of LinkedIn, I post one time every three years. But I trust him. I right. said, I trust you. I've watched what you're doing. I've seen the progress that you've made. I trust that you know what you're doing. And if you don't, I trust that you're going to learn what to do so that you can guide me. So let me guide you over here. You guide me over here. And that's how we can make this marriage work. Right. You see, that's where the trust came from. That's it. You understand? That's it. And and, and one of the biggest things that I that I always express is I always tell them, I say, listen, bro, if you understand, even when some business deals don't go the way you might have thought and you might have thought, yo, we should have did that different. Just understand, like, I never leave from a place of malice. Mm. I, I never do nothing to hurt you as a person. If you if you always understand that I will never gain nothing from trying to put you down when I owe you and your family so much. 
then you will understand that any decision I make is strictly business. It's not a personal thing. It's just what's best for the business in the moment. Because as the CEO, my job is to keep this business open, keep I mean, the lights on, keep this running. You know what I mean? So it, again, it's a learning process, but you know, we working it. Everything you just laid out should be documented as the code and principles by which you run your organizations and your expectations of your community around you. You just right. laid out your code, bro. Right, yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. That, so go back and watch this shit and everything you just said. And that becomes your guiding principles. Yeah. If people don't get down with these things, yeah. then we're not for you. We, we appreciate you, but we're not for you. This yeah. is only for people who can abide by these things. That's right. What's wrong bro. with that? Every company has its mission, vision, values, expected behaviors, and so forth. Yeah. We have to start having our own too. That's for sure. Message. <laughs> man, we set the ball with how you should be coming through <laughs> more than a motherfucking title. We're gonna keep it real here. Yo, yeah. I want to ask mad question. I ain't gonna hold you. I want to get the state of the I think we've, we've oh, man, so much in our community in this two-hour yeah. conversation yeah. that needed to be said, bro. Yeah. And it just flowed like like I appreciate you, brother. The way you articulate, the way you break down the topics, the concepts, uh, the passion that you have for our people, our community, bro. Like you, you it's real, bro. So I just want to applaud you, man, and thank you. You know, it's an honor for you to come through to the show, man. Show love, man. Yeah, and you know, our platform is your platform. You just let us know what's up, man. My brothers, I love you know, um, John, do me do me a favor. Um, I don't know if you let me just check real quick before I even ask. Um. Yeah. Okay, do me a favor. Can you, if you can put your your number in the private chat? What we like to do with all of our guests is we create a group chat between me, Jared, and the guests. Um, that way, one we can we can uh keep in contact with each other, right? Yeah. And, and so, and also we want to let you know that that our community is now your community, right? So if you've ever seen a guest on our show that you might want to connect with, mm -hmm. we have text all our guests and we foster these relationships. This is not a one of one, right? So I expect mm -hmm. to foster this relationship with you, John, because mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, there's a lot that I can learn from you and I'm hoping that maybe I can teach you a couple things and you know what I'm saying? That we can learn and build with each other right. and keep this conversation going because I think we owe it to our community to continue this conversation and that way um whenever we do something we can have the best knowledge possible and and that'll give us the best opportunity for the best outcome you know what i mean i love it yeah. i love it and i, and I look i appreciate y'all for having me in here course, chop it up and i love that you allowed it to flow organically because to your yeah. point Jared, what needed to be said got said and if it didn't get Saying it wasn't supposed to be so yeah, facts. Mm. That's, why, that's why we don't go scripted, John. That's why we don't go scripted because we, we just we just want to have good conversation, man. And sometimes we get the you know the questions we want, and sometimes should we get stories and answers to questions we wasn't even the god damn, I wasn't even thinking about asking you know? <laughs> real shit. Yeah, yeah, but but I think I think like you said, it's all it's all for the culture, and I think it needs to be said, and the fact that we get it out. Um, shows that you know this 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 platform is definitely cultivating information, and we're giving it back for free. All you got to do is just take a little bit of time to watch it, pay attention, download it. You can have it and reference it. And I think you know if you just take one tidbit, it'll change your life because you drop so many gems, John. Like I'm telling you, it's a lot of shit I'm gonna be thinking about after this show, bro. So I guarantee you, man, somebody else is gonna be like, "Yo, God damn, man, this brother was dropping a lot of gems, man." And you're probably you gonna. I get
dropping gems? No, no, it was it was the tone that you said before. It was a few things. The dropping gems. Yeah, and I was a few dropping gems. Ah, shit. See, was, damn it, comments. Let them know in the fucking comments. <laughs> y'all know what's up, y'all. Gym, bro. No, it was something you just said. I just had it. You just spoke. <laughs> I, I think like, it was one of my best episodes. Where I, I I was yeah. good on episode, bro. Yeah, it was, bro. You know, we had our best behavior today. We had, you know, yeah, yeah. Damn, yeah, let, let the people let the people know where they can find you, John. For anybody looking to get in contact with you and, and yeah. you know, stay connected with you, I'm not hard to find, man. Well, before I do all that again, I, I thank y'all, brothers, not only for having me but also for uh, the work that you're doing. It's it's rare and refreshing to have this level of conversation um, to to really focus on who needs to be focused on, and that's uh, us in this community. And I think we touched on so many different subjects and many facets to our humanity uh, in these uh, in these two hours um, yeah. that I think, you know, hopefully that what we've co connected on today touches and reaches, uh, pause, reaches uh, and, and engages. <laughs> I'll pause myself. You can hit the, oh. Oh, oh yeah. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. The Razor Ramon. Valid, valid. But I, but I hope that I, my, my hope is that the yeah. information rang true yeah, to those who absolutely. are able to perceive it. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. So y'all can connect with me. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn a lot, uh, but my Instagram's Instagram 1906. So G R A H A M uh, 1906, and same for TikTok. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm always happy to connect and, and certainly expand on um, that which I'm not informed on. So it's all about. Uh, expansion, so let's do it. Love, bro. I see what yeah. you did with the Instagram and the gram. Here's my guy. This guy is good. This guy. I was a digital marketer in, in a former yeah. life, and uh, we didn't get in the back. In the back, and, yeah. and we, we knew this yeah, interview bro. was going to be amazing. We knew this interview was going to be amazing, John. But oh, I'm gonna tell you, yeah. man, at, at the beginning of the interview. I knew this was going to be dope, but I'm going to tell you this. You have my curiosity. But now you have my attention. That's real, bro. Bars. A lot of bars. This episode. Bars, man. So, man bars. Yeah. Next week, y'all, well, first of all, we got next week, we've got yeah. Doug Melville on Tuesday, another DEI legend. So yeah. make sure you, you know, if you are not familiar, you know, make sure you get in tune. Visible General's best-selling author. He's like I say, he's a legend in the space. February 1st, fan appreciation episode. Appreciate so if you want to come through, you want to get one of the, you know what I mean? You want to get one of these? Yeah. Pull up. You got some balls you want to spit? You want to yeah. promote your business? You want to come chop it up? You want to laugh with us? Just pull up. We're going to send the link out. This is for y'all, man. It's for us to build together and build the community. Absolutely. And then after that, man, we got uh, American Gangster, Trap Queen, Ayana Bean, and Doug Mel. I mean, not, um, and William Benson, bro, for Billionaire's Row. Biggest black-owned liquor brand in the, in no, the world. No, uh, Champagne, right? Champ uh, champagne? Yeah. Yeah, campaign. campaign brand, Back campaign on. for the campaign. Yeah, you want to say something, John? I only wanted to add, look, the book can be found at plantationtheory.com. It's, it's obviously on every outlet where books are sold, but if you want to support direct, I will sign your books if you go to plantationtheory.com. The other side of that is I, I do uh, a lot of speaking engagements at Black Employee Resource Groups, uh, specifically with Fireside Chat around the book. But recently, uh, to a lot of uh, great reviews and response, uh, a talk called The Cost of Decline. A lot of the subject matter we talked about earlier in this conversation, I bring to Black professionals because at this point, we're, we're, we're too far into this, uh, trying to get them 
to feel uncomfortable enough to change, we have to start asking ourselves better questions. Absolutely. Mm. Happy to, happy to love, that. Love, that. love that name, the cost of the climb, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Real. The cost of the climb, man. That's real shit, man. Listen, man, ladies and gentlemen, I would implore you to, you know, check John out, man. And, you know, if you get a chance to get that book, read that book. This Plantation brother, Theory. Matter of fact, drop the link in the private chat so we can, we can put it on the, put it on the drink real quick, please. Yeah, he's going to put the link in the private chat, and we will guarantee when, when we post this, uh, post the link for you guys to go and purchase that, man. Let's go ahead and support, um, again, support the community, support Black Brothers. So, John, just so you know, real quick, sure. we saw we, we did something um, on the fly last month, okay. kind of like what we're talking about, like building the, the thing, right? We called it fan appreciation, right? We know that a lot of times the, the people watching these shows have a lot of questions, sure. and they have, you know, questions for the guests, or they want to, you know, talk about some things. So we just went live. And we opened up the forum to anybody that wanted to jump on, man. And we had such a turnout. We are actually going to turn this into a once a, once a month thing where yeah. now you can come on. We're going to give you a certain amount of minutes. You can come on, man. Talk about your story. If you have a business, promote your business. And we it was wonderful last time, man. We had, you know, um, I came on, had a sneaker store, promoted the sneaker store. People were like, oh, you got a sneaker store? We coming to see you. And that's what we, we're going to keep doing more of that. To Love bring, it. again, bring awareness to, guess what? There are black businesses in your community. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Look, anybody who sees this episode and has moved and is aligned with some of the things that we've been talking about and is hitting those brick walls as a black professional, I'll give you an hour, right? Completely free. Yeah, it is. And the book. And let's, let's figure it out. Come on, man. Where else? Where else you getting that, man? Where else? Come on. The book, the signature, and an hour worth of time yeah. and information and knowledge to help you level up your skills, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Make sure you hit the brother up, but don't waste his time Please. if you're about your shit. Say that shit again. Hold on. Say that again. Don't waste this brother's time. Be <laughs> on your stuff. Be on your grind. Have That's your up. questions ready, tailored. This brother has a family. He has a business. Make exactly. sure if he's going to allocate that time, make sure you're prepared. That's how you give it's him. Understand the hour is still considered like a mentorship. This brother's authoring you guys a mentorship Absolutely. for free. All right. Again, you ask for it. We're delivering it. Only thing we ask is come correctly. If you waste this brother's time, we will know about it. And not only will we put your ass on blast, but we'll make sure that you don't get any more opportunities from this show. Because, again, it's limited resources available. And what we don't want to do is waste our guest time or waste anybody else's time with frivolous bullshit. Come correct. Do your homework. Take the time out to show this man some respect that he's earned. Right. And make sure you you put more than a title. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. he know, you came from the show. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it is. You won't get a discount. But right. we will greatly appreciate you. That's on the rail. Right. QR codes in the corner. Y'all know what time it is. <laughs> With the QR code. With that said, you already know we're going to see y'all next it. week, man. Yo, John, my dude, much love as always, baby. And thank you for appreciate another episode you, of More Than a Title. We out of here, y'all.